Hello, good evening, and welcome to another edition of the Cantina Mekis podcast. My name is John Jagu. Glad to have you with us again this evening. This is episode 136. Here on our YouTube page, we are live once a week, usually on Thursdays, uh, Wednesday uh, this week, because there's a game on tomorrow. And uh, some of our uh, folks won't be available to join us tomorrow. Our special guest was going to be available to join us tomorrow. So one of the reasons why we're doing it on Wednesday, and it seems I think it works out a little better because we can talk a little bit more about what happened and then what will happen. And then we'll uh, get into uh, the aftermath of what happens this weekend next. So hopefully you will join us for that. Again, we got a big show. As most of you know, this is the, the week where the 32 teams that are going to Russia for the World Cup have had to release their rosters. Mexico was no different. We will talk about the players that were released on a 28-man list. And we will uh, talk, of course, about the final. And we will talk about Group G in our continuing series of bringing on guests to talk about uh, certain teams in a group. In this Group G, we are going to talk England. And we're going to let Tom Marshall, a lot of y'all know Tom, he's a uh, an Englishman who lives in Guadalajara, does a lot of writing for Liga Nekis, but we thought tonight, why not let him talk a little bit about England? So we're going to have Tom uh, talk, I'm sure he'll talk a little bit about Mexico, Mexican soccer as well, so don't feel like it's just going to be, it's just going to be all English with Tom, so we'll, we'll uh, have him on uh, in about, uh, probably about 20 minutes or so, and then of course uh, our, our panel will join us as we always do. But again, my name is John Jagu. I'm very glad you guys are with us uh, live here on YouTube. And of course, you can listen to this and the previous editions of our podcast downloaded from the Podcast Center on iTunes. Chikis, uh, I noticed uh, Alberto Campa joins us. Uh, how are you doing, sir? Hey, John. Doing good. Glad to be I, on. I noticed, Chikis, that we actually have we actually have ratings. We have ratings now on our we have eight ratings on our podcast now. So we'd love to have more. So, so for, for you folks that uh, that listen to us and download us, please uh, let us know how we're doing. You can always reach out to us there. You can reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, I'd love your feedback. We'd love to, for you to participate. And I hopefully will be able to do that uh, this evening on our podcast as well. So tune in, uh, pull up a chair, crack open a beer, and let's uh, let's go ahead and start talking some uh, some football. Chiquis, uh, big news on Monday. The list was released by uh, Juan Carlos Osorio. 28 players on the list. Five players, I'm sure, with the thinking that uh, there are five players right now that are injured, so these are my my backups, so to speak. And uh, they're really... We've been talking about the list since January. It's a a feature that we did about once a month here to see who's in, who's out. And and the reality, Chiquis, is that uh, from from what we thought in, in January, I don't think it really changed all that much to where we are here in May. Yeah, I don't see uh, a really huge surprise in the list other than, uh, in my, well, it's my, my opinion, Rafa Marquez, but, but yeah, there's a typical, typical same guys that, uh, Osorio has been calling up, so. You know, there's been, uh, in previous World Cups, especially in the, in, in the, in the tournament that is right before the World Cup. There's always been there's always been players that have that have really stepped it up, and, and you think you know that these guys are gonna, you know, if they weren't on the list before, they're gonna certainly be on the list now. I mean, we saw it in in 2010 with uh, with Chicharito with the way that he started off with Chivas scoring 
I mean, he scored what like ten goals in ten games, or whatever it was just just completely on fire. Just just had a, a terrific start to his season, and a great. And uh, we just didn't see that uh, for, from practically anybody, uh, uh, Albert. Uh, not I mean, I can't think of any Mexican player in Liga MX or outside of Liga MX that said, you know what, I'm going to have the you know the best four months of my life, and I'm going to be in the best shape and the best soccer rhythm I've ever been in. I mean, you're going to have no choice but to but to pick me. Even if I wasn't in your plans, because I'm just I'm just killing it right now, and there really hasn't been that that player. Now maybe Chucky, Chucky might have Chucky impressed a little bit. He scored some goals. He was doing his thing more than any other European. Well, he was, uh, and, and, and 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 to Chucky's credit, uh, Chucky has been doing it all season. So it wasn't it wasn't as if it just you know right after Christmas he decided that yeah, he true. wanted to get hot. He's had a, he's had a terrific season. Now you know Raúl Jiménez has started playing a little bit better. You know Layun to start, but but these were guys that we knew were gonna were gonna be on the team regardless. I, you know people could make the argument that maybe uh, Jose Juan Gallito Vasquez has has been that guy. For 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 Santos, you know, as you know, they they're in the final, and and and, and the reality is, is it probably? I think that, that there's an argument to be made for for Gallito to say that he's probably been the most valuable Mexican in Liga MX this year, uh, more so than just about anybody. So maybe you would say what well, he would be the guy, but he unfortunately it has a style of play that just doesn't jive with what uh, Juan Carlos Osorio wants to do. And uh, unfortunately for, for 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 Gallito, we're not going to have uh, have him. Uh, and he didn't even make the the, provi- the provisional additional seven dudes for the thirty five man list. So there'll be there'll be no there'll be no Gallito at the World Cup in Russia, which is uh, which is very uh, very unfortunate, Chiquis. Yeah, that's uh, that's weird. I, I I don't know who he would even. Uh... Like who who would he take over in the current list of the, the immediate guy that came to my mind was uh, Jonathan Dos Santos, but that that would have been a hard sell to take his spot. Well, it would probably mean if it's hombre, hombre por hombre, it would be uh, Jesus Molina. But the way that uh, Juan Carlos Osorio was gushing about Molina at the press conferences, I mean, not only did, did he say that his that his aerial game was was good, he said it was dominant, and then he said it was, and I quote. Dominante. That's exactly how I said it. Dominante. So he was, he was really uh, tr- trying to sell Molina. I mean, obviously Molina is going to be in, in the squad, and uh, a lot of folks, uh, you know, at least I follow Monterrey, said that you know it might, it might be a deserved call up. I don't get to see Monterrey as often as, as others. There are other teams that are on my radar that I, I tend to watch more, so I didn't get to see him play. But you know, again, if uh, you know, that's what uh, Juan Carlos Osorio wants to do. He wants to make sure that Mexico is going to uh, limit their liability in, in the set pieces. And the one thing I will say about Molina compared to some of the other midfielders is that he actually plays defense. So maybe that won't be such a bad thing to have a guy like that on the squad. So, because uh, you know, in my opinion, that's that's the, that's the biggest problem that Mexico's formation has is whoever's supposed to be the defensive midfielder uh, tends to forget that he's the defensive midfielder and leaves like what, like a 40-yard hole between him in the back line when they're attacking. So that's, uh, there's, there's, there's no, there's no cover. There's no cover for, for, for the, uh, for the back line, but it is 28 guys. And I've noticed that the Joel Aceves has joined us from somewhere in Southern California at an undisclosed location, perhaps, perhaps Irvine, perhaps South Los Angeles. He won't, he won't tell us. He won't tell us. It could be somewhere else entirely, but we're happy to have him on. Joel Aceves, how are you? Doing good, Yon. Glad to be back. 
Well, we are glad that you were back with us, Joel. Joel, there's been, you, you are very, very uh, uh, lucky <clears throat> to, to, to be on when you do, because when we do Chivas Talk, I, you know, I always say the, the first Chivas Mano that comes on gets the, uh, you know, gets the conch. Gets the, not only gets the conch, but, but just gets just gets a. <laughs> and you gotta you gotta get the full one. They gotta get the full yeah. one. The first two I'm not come on. So, <laughs> so congratulations for that, Joel. Uh, Joel, 28 men were 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 named to the roster. Uh, Chiquis and I, uh, when we started the show, mentioned that I mean, this is an exercise that you know hicimos un ejercicio periodístico. So start, starting in January, but once a month, we'd, you know, we'd touch a little on, on, you know, kind of like a roster watch. And there really wasn't anybody that kind of played their, played themselves on and people played themselves off. I mean, there were really no real surprises at all to this uh, 28 man list. Yeah. Just the usual disappointment from fans when they don't, when they don't see their favorite players make the squad. Did but your favorite. Did your favorite player make the squad, Hoy? Uh yeah, yeah. I'm, um, I've always been a Chicharo and even Bella enthusiast. <laughs> yeah. But but I, I am on the on the Gallito train. Uh, he's he's a very good player to have, and and it's kind of unfortunate for him, you know, because he's very consistent, and and for that to still not be enough, because you don't fit. You don't fit the mold of the coach. It's yeah, it could be tough. Um, and he's he's playing another final, you know, pretty much. He's always playing finals with his teams. That that's, right. that speaks volumes of the quality player he is. And Chiba saw him. Chiba suffered a lot when he let him go. Not you know, not, not the best decision. <laughs> yes, but but to, you know, to, to to be fair to Chivas in the. In the first season after the final, you know, Gallito did not have a very good season. Obviously, he he, he played a lot better. Yeah, uh, and, yeah, and and but but you know what, John? Also, it's, it's you know you have to keep in mind they're half seasons, really. So, you know, I, I would say he didn't have enough time to pick it up to get it to get it together for Chivas. Yes, I mean, and the reality, Joel, is 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 that Gallito uh, out of <laughs> you, know, you, you think of who are the stars of Liga Mekis and oh yeah, you know four or five out of you know out of the guys you're going to pick are going to be foreign players. So you know, as far as Mexican players in Liga Mekis, it's hard for me to to pinpoint anybody else that had a better season than Gallito Vasquez did uh, for, for for Santos as what I call the most valuable Mexican in in, in Liga Mekis. Yeah, and huh? I mean, and 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 for that not to, like you said for that not to be enough, it has to be a a very bitter pill to swallow for for, for him and 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 really for, for for a lot of fans because you know you want to see your best you know your best players at, at the World Cup you know regardless of whether they fit. You know, I'd actually side with uh, Osorio though on this. I mean, I don't see it a big deal leaving him out. Just like I don't I don't see a big deal of Pizarro being left out. And I don't I don't think that Gallito was like the only difference maker. I would say Janini um, was the guy to actually bring Santos up to where they're at. Um, Gallito played a part, but as a defensive player or a defensive mid, I don't see him like the single guy to lift Santos up to the, to the final. Just as I don't, I don't think he would be a huge plus for the national team in the world cup. He might, he might do well, 
Um, but well, that'll be something to look at if 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 if, the, if Mexico gets really burned and we think, oh, Gallito would have he would have been there and that would have that would have provided like some some de- defense. The one thing I will but, say about Gallito that I think that uh, that 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 is probably the the most unsung part of his game is that what he does his job so well as far as you know breaking up plays and you know and and covering and. Like I said, yeah. being, that, being that first line of defense, that he allows the Osvalditos and the Hector Herreras and those guys to do what they do best, which is attack, and then not not have to worry so much about about, about coming back on defense or, or playing playing in the perimeter, you know, pisando el área, so to speak. And, That's and what makes Hector so good. Go ahead. And, he, and he's proven he can hold his own. Yes. Our to, to go game, John, is is a World Cup match against Croatia. Right. I mean, he 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 took he took. Rakitic and Modric and the other each, whoever that guy, the other guy's name was, he took them to school. Yeah. Which was uh, very impressive, and uh, you know, not 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 every every confrontation the Gallito is going to have is going to be an air, you know, an, uh, uh, one where he has to have a, an aerial game. So it's just, you know, it, it is it is it is a bet that that Juan Carlos Osorio has made. He said, "I am not going to get beat by set, you know, by set pieces," which to me is unfortunate because I think of the goals that Mexico has allowed in 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 like the past four or five World Cups, and, and I am hard I am I am hard pressed other other than the, the goal against Holland to remember. Not and, and, and penalty kicks aside, those are obviously set pieces, but that's different. But you know, on corner kicks or free kicks, uh, it, it, it's, it's hard for me to remember. I'm sure that there are some, but uh, you know, just just thinking about the goals. I guess uh, didn't Iran score on a set piece uh, in 2006 uh, on, on a corner kick? So I mean, it has happened, but it's but it's it's not 30 or 40 percent of the goals that Mexico has given up by by a long shot. It's uh, that that is definitely not the case. So yeah, Osorio's, Osorio's team gives it up on. Uh, gaps that the defense leaves and all kinds of other stuff. So you would think that, you know, that would be the main concern instead of set pieces or corner yeah, kicks. Yeah. I mean, shore up your defense. I mean, that was the, what, what we asked of him in, uh, after the, uh, what we had our, the one time only airing of the Siete Cero podcast, uh, which, uh, aired a couple of years ago. You know, we said, you know, if, if he does stick around, he has to shore this up. And then he gets, you know, the, the next big chance to see, has he shorted up is against Germany, and, and obviously the answer was no. So I think that any Mexico fan, having seen what happened to Mexico in those two games, and even with the way that kind of Portugal uh, toyed with them too a little bit, at least in, in, in the group stage match, has to be very, very worried about uh, about, about Mexico's vulnerability on the back. And uh, and 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 to me, as as, as a fan aficionado. Uh, uh, student of the game, it, it would seem incredible that that a coach would choose to play a system where its main vulnerability is is uh, the defense. You know, particularly the the you know the two central defenders. You know, just just totally leave them out on the island. You know, the, the, this is you know we. I mean, it would be one thing if it was you know Franco Baresi playing back there, but we don't have a Franco Baresi playing back there. You know, not 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 by a long shot. So that that's what makes me nervous, and it, and it should make every Mexico fan nervous going into the World Cup. So you know, when you see Uguayala's name on the list of twenty-eight, 
Except Carlos Vela. Carlos Vela is, he's not nervous. He knows that, he knows that the opponents of Mexico are nervous. <laughs> that is, uh, that, that is very true. That is very true. Well, out of these uh, 28 players, there were, there may have been a couple of surprises. I mean, obviously, Hugo Yala is, 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 is one that probably no one was, is, is expecting to go to Russia. And Eddie Gutierrez is probably the other one. I think the one who has a really good chance to make it and actually could, you know, may, maybe be the key that, that unlocks what, what Osorio is trying to do is, uh, is Edson Alvarez. I mean, he could he, 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 it might force his hand with injuries to Diego Reyes and, and, and I saw today that Hector Moreno might be a little nicked up to have Edson Arvarez come on and play that, that holding midfielder role, that defensive stopper type that I think he can do really well. And he does have the, you know, a bit more of the salida and, and frankly, he's actually pretty good on the ball. He's pretty technical on the ball. He could be, and this is the optimum speed. I mean, you know, you know, someone that, that could be that unexpected thing that the coach doesn't realize he has until he has it until he needs it. So he, he might be that particular, that particular uh, option for Osorio. If some of these injuries uh, end up uh, hurting the, uh, not hurting the squad, but depleting the squad with the, with the Reyes and, and, and apparently Moreno as well. Coel. Yes, John. Oh, I just, want to make sure. I just want to make sure you're still there, Joel. No, que estoy. Now, Joel, you've been in Los Angeles and Carlos Vela. Carlos Vela has given uh, an awful lot of, of of interviews and they've given a lot of press time. That is that is not yes. that, that is not normal. No, I, I think it's one of the plus why he wanted to come to the US instead of like Mexico. You know, I think it was the ambience he was looking for. Or he, they're not constantly attacking you or questioning your every move. Uh, so I think I think the national team is better off for it because you're getting a player that's enjoying himself. And uh, that's actually the exact Carlos Vela that we want to see at the World Cup is Carlos Vela that's enjoying himself. So that is a, another player that I think Mexico fans should be, should be at least uh, very optimistic about because it looks like he's in the mood. And I think that e- e- even with him playing at LAFC, and again, no disrespect to LAFC, but, I mean, it looks like that, that right now Carlos Vela is, uh, is, is, is Mexico's best offensive weapon, without a doubt. Yeah, if you see some of the goals he's been scoring – no offense to the league, <laughs> but they're they're very nice. He's he's put on some goals, you know. Yeah, he has, and he scored again last week uh, in their one-one uh, draw with, uh, or was it? Yeah, I think it was one-one or maybe two-two with uh, the New York uh, with the New York club. It's his sixth goal in uh, in what about two months play. So yeah, he's he's definitely uh, he's he's definitely been playing. But John is is. You know, we can see he's playing in a position he likes. Is that where Osorio's going to utilize him? Well, Osorio did say uh, in his press conference, he called him a media punta, if I'm not mistaken, which is where he's been playing in in LAFC. So perhaps, uh, perhaps we will finally see him 
or perhaps we'll see him have a player play in a, in a position that uh, that is warranted. Hmm. And of course, you know the other uh, big name that was on the list for some, and people were not too thrilled about it was uh, was Giovanni dos Santos, and uh, and I know that Jurgen that Jurgen Dam was on the list, and 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 to me, you know, given the choice between Jurgen Dam and Giovanni dos Santos, give me Giovanni dos Santos. Every day of the week, I know that Jurgen Dam is is probably the fastest uh, winger the Mexico has, and I get that and I respect that. But that's all he has. That is all he has is speed. And when Jurgen Dam, at the moment of truth, has to make a decision, nine times out of ten, it's the wrong one. And I think that that's the exact opposite of Giovanni Los Santos. Giovanni has to make a decision nine times out of ten. He makes, if 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 not a decent decision, a good decision. So that that to me is is the tiebreaker between Giovanni and and, and Jurgen Dam. He just needs to make. Uh, I'll just say he just needs to make the decision not to disappear during the game, Giovanni. <laughs> Go ahead, Hawaii. <laughs> well, you know, one 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 plus also in Giovanni's favor is, you know, his um, his chemistry with Vela. These are players that have played well together before, and then been together since the youth team. Yeah, I mean, this this is the. <laughs> You know, this World Cup should be for Mexico what the Copa America was for Chile. In the sense, you know, that you know, this should, or even what the World Cup should have been for Chile. You know, this is the culmination of these guys that have, you know, with with Vela and Giovanni and Eto Moreno and uh, and even Chicharito. Although he didn't join him until the U20s. I mean, that's... He, he was dropped, though. He didn't make the final cut for the under-17. Well, right, but for the U20... But he, he was, he, yeah. No, but he was, like you said, he was part of that group. That um had been playing together since since the seven under seventeenth. So so this is it for them, and and again that that to me is 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 the only uh, uh the uh, the barometer that I would use to measure Giovanni and and Jurgen Dam now, and like 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 uh, Chiki said mentioned Rodolfo Pizarro. Rodolfo Pizarro is a player who had a a very good season for Chivas, did great in the, in, in, in the in the Conca Champions. But, you know, Chivas had problems scoring and they had problems scoring at home. And they ended up, out of 34 games this season, they scored 33, they were able to accumulate only 33 points. They also didn't win any home games in league play. If If this was a normal <laughs> league, where they had a normal relegation, Chivas would have come extremely close to to, to have been relegated. So that and that that to me, I think you know, regardless of how now, if if you know, I, I did get to watch Chivas a little more than others, and, and I did see uh, Pizarro make some very decent plays, and he, and he played some good games. He also played some very bad games too. So we. Uh, we do have uh, we do have that to look at as well, but but it is a good thing that we're that we're talking about Guadalajara right now because we actually have someone joining us. I, I would assume is in Guadalajara right now. I can't say for sure. I'm not even sure where Joel is right now. But uh, but Tom Marshall joins us from Guadalajara ESPN FC writer Tom Marshall. Thank you very much for joining us here on the Cantina Mekis podcast. No worries. How's it going? Yeah, I just got back. Um... Yeah, I was in Mexico City for the last couple of days, but yeah, back in Guadalajara and it's it's hot. 
<laughs> it's absolutely boiling at the minute. It is miserably hot here uh, in Austin as well, Tom. It was, this is a. I got in my car today. I was doing some work uh, downtown, and when I got in my car, it's it's at 100, 105 on my. I know it was one hundred five, but it is uh, it, it is definitely uh, getting uh, getting warmer. So you got your you got your visa for for Russia, Tom. You're you're, you're getting ready to go. Yeah, all sorted. Uh, the Russians were were kind enough to give me a visa, so uh, so yeah, <laughs> looking forward to it. Now, yeah. now, Tom, correct me if I'm wrong. You are from uh, Manchester, is, is that correct? Yeah, I'm from a town called Rochdale, just outside of uh, Manchester. It's about a thirty-minute drive. So, w- w- would you would you then agree that that belligerent ghouls run Manchester schools? <laughs> Something <laughs> like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you would go on to say that they are. They have. Oh, I, forgot, I totally forgot the lyrics. Good lord, I was thinking about this all day. <laughs> oh, spineless. Uh, oh man, spineless swines and cemented minds. That's what it is. All right, see, nice to, nice to Well, Tom, we brought you on. I know, I know that, that, that you uh, cover Liga MX, the Mexican national team, and you'll be doing so. Uh, and, and of course, we'll talk about Mexico uh, uh, here shortly. But uh, we did, we did bring you on because we wanted to give you the opportunity to talk to us about England. England released their, their 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 squad today, and 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 what I could what I thought was just a really really cool little video that they did to uh, uh, to release their uh, their squad for the World Cup, as opposed to uh, a guy showing a, a a crumpled up piece of paper, you know, to the to the to the reporters. Juan Carlos Soria did. So 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 you're going to be in. Are you going to get a chance to go see any of the uh, any of the England games? Have you have you looked at the schedule to see if if, if that could work for you, Tom? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think uh, you know when the World Cup when it starts, it's all. I think it's going to be just hectic, you know. Um, even in the Confederations Cup, it was difficult to, you know, you know, like sit down and watch games properly. So yeah, it's going to. I think I miss. I think I'll miss a couple of the England games, but uh, but yeah, what can you do? <laughs> what can you do? That is. Uh... My friends will be having barbecues back home, like you know, having a good time, and they'll be in Kazan or something. That's right. You'll be you'll be on a on a on a on a, on a third class on the train, eleven o'clock at night, trying to make your deadline and hoping that the wireless works at the next train station. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally, uh, I totally understand. Now, Tom, I've been following England. For, I, I went to British school in Mexico City when I was a kid, so I've yeah, I've, I've I have followed English uh, football because kind of I kind of had to then, and then it, I've I, I've stayed with it. And I have to say, I, as far as World Cup teams go, uh, if I were an England fan, I would be really, really excited about this team. I think that this team has a – because no one is expecting anything of them. I mean, they really have the least amount of pressure I've seen on an England team, and I, I can't tell you how long. England is lying in the weeds, and they have a great team to be lying in the weeds with. Yeah, I think it's you know it's not it's – a, it's a good team, obviously – you know, you look at the favourites for the World Cup, and I think there's a reason. You know, England aren't right up there at the top. But if you talk about a team that you know can make an impact, can win games, you know, I think England can do that. Um, you know, there's not a lot. Of, they're not big experience. I think there's only four or five players who who were at the last World Cup. So if you compare it to Mexico, where you've got you know the the majority uh, were at the last World Cup. Um, I think it was it 15 of the Mexican squad. You know, England. England this is like almost a, a real shift. It's been. I think it described in one one of the newspapers like a, a silent revolution from Gareth Southgate. Right. Like nobody's made the. It's never. It's not been like oh let's get rid of the old cobwebs and let's let's start afresh. He's just kind of, you know, just quietly gone about making these decisions and all of a sudden you know Rooney's out. 
Um, I don't think anybody expects him to be in the squad, but you know he's been phased out over the last couple of years. Uh, Joe Hart, who you know he's just not been playing well, but you know the, the manager at least has had the I don't know he's, he's uh, you know the the authority to kind of say right Joe Hart you're not playing well you're not even playing for West Ham so you know you stay out of it. You know, then you've got some you know I think the 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 exciting thing for England is you know the likes of Sterling, um, Rashford, Deli Ali. And, and Kane. I mean, I think those players potentially, if they play well. But this is the thing with England. If you speak to if you speak to people back there, and you know, my friends, it's like, for example, Harry Kane. My friends in England call it, you know, England Kane. <laughs> so he scores all the goals for Tottenham. Then he comes into England. And he just he's just not the same. I mean, it's, it's natural, really. It's almost like Messi. No, it's like it's never going to be the same. You know, playing for Barcelona is playing for Argentina, but I think that's that's the question mark. Can this team actually, you know, play together? And and you know, we'll, we'll see. I I just think I think England is going to be like four to eight years. I think could be a really really good team because you got the you know the under twenty World Cup winners, the under seventeen, um, and and I know it's not it doesn't always equate to that, but you know having having two having two generations that are so strong um, and all the work that's gone in. By the by, the football association, in terms of you know youth products and youth systems and and the Premier League as well. I mean, there might not be the opportunities in the Premier League for younger young English players, but in terms of like having good places to learn how to play football, um, you know, England now is right up there. So that has to come through at some point. Well, I mean, and and, and that to me is I think what, what makes this English team uh, so uh, inviting. I guess I, I would say is because of the fact that yeah, these guys are young. But the fact that they've been killing it in the Premier League as young as they are to me is just a fantastic sign. So, so Tom, what was it that the FA did to give England this uh, this revolution of sorts to, to, to you know to, to build from the youth? Were, were, were they are they just tired of getting kicked around and in, on the international stage, so to speak? And and, and and do they think that they need to you know take their rightful place among among the giants of the sport? Is is, is it is it a concerted effort by the FA to? Uh, Hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, it's it's not outside of England is like the birthplace of the game. Not so much in England. I don't think people pay much attention to that. But um, you know, the, the, the there's a book by Henry Winter called Fifty Years of Hurt, and that goes through like all the all the things that have happened over the years. And but he also looks to the future. And the FA of I think it's the the twenty 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 two or twenty twenty six. They've um, you know, the goal has been to win the World Cup. You know, it's nothing short of we've got to win the World Cup. And so they put in place all the, you know, because really England never put real emphasis on the youth teams. The clubs would never let the players, they'd never release the players. So you never got like kind of a group of young English players going to England camp together. You know, you get people like Ferguson in the 90s, Alex Ferguson, who just, just wouldn't let players go. You know what I mean? So sure. then you arrive in the England camp and you're not used to going to international duty and, you know, all those stories in the 2000s, you know, the players like Lampard and Scholes, a lot of those guys now are on TV in England and, and, the, and, and Ferdinand as well. And, and they come out and they, they talk about it and they're saying like, we were so, they were so competitive at club level that obviously the Man United and the Liverpool, you know, they, they didn't hate each other, but they, they just weren't, they weren't a team. And then you had the Chelsea players when obviously after Mourinho came. And so I think what, what England have done is, is they tried to get rid of that as well by, you know, re- bringing players in younger in, into the 
you know the the younger youth teams, and and really you've seen that with a couple of, with the World Cup wins recently. Um, I mean, I think the only missing factor now, I think everything's on track. The missing factor is that some of these younger players, you know, like Phil Foden at Manchester City, um, can they get playing time? Similar to Mexico in a way. I mean, where where are they going to be able to get the the, the minutes under the belt that they need to become these, you know? Top international players, and you know that that's the that's really the massive question now surrounding kind of England's future. Well, I mean, it seems like as you mentioned, uh, winning the U17 and winning the U20. Um, well, did they win both, or I thought they just won the U20? I think they won the was it the under? I can't remember now. Yeah, honest. I can't remember either. <laughs> but, uh, but 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 that you bring up a very good point because I I remember when that happened, I was thinking, man, and I started racking my brain. I don't think I'd much less seen England win a U tournament, much less even participate in U tournaments. They just it just they just didn't happen. And 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 you know, with what you explained earlier, it, it kind of makes sense why the the clubs didn't uh didn't release their best players. Now I know uh, I did Dallas Cup a, a couple of years ago here in Dallas. Yeah. We did yeah. Uh, the U eighteen uh championship was a Liverpool squad, but it was like it was like a Liverpool squad of kids that were never gonna be professionals, but were hoping to get at least a scholarship to play in the States. So yeah. it, was, it was like a college team. So were those the kinds of players that that would that would would it be those clubs that would send the players to, to England to, to try and participate in some of these international tournaments in in, in the youth area? And what do you mean, like the the from the big clubs? Yeah, from the big clubs, like like not like 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 the college team, not necessarily the pro team. And um, yeah, like I mean, like. You know, in, in England, you, you know, they're scouting kids like six, seven, eight years old. And then, sure. all the, I mean, for example, where I'm from, probably if you go within a two-hour drive, I mean, I don't know how many professional clubs there are, but there are a lot. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. And, I mean, you know, it's and, and, and scouts are out there watching eight-year-olds. And this is one of the things in Mexico that nobody ever talks about, but it's, it's still badly, badly missing. You know, it's very difficult for a young English kid right now I mean, I even went for a trial. <laughs> I went for a trial with Oldham Athletic. You know what I mean? Um, it, it's so it's so concentrated the amount of professional clubs that there are there um, that it's difficult to to escape the system. And that's not like it doesn't happen, but um, but yeah, it's it's yeah, it's those those players and, and then it all filters up and and then obviously the 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 England setup is, is at the top of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, and also it's the style of play as well. They've implemented a style of play. Like the, if you watch the under 17s and the under 20s, they play in the same way, um, and and that's that's going right through now as well. And even into the women's team, there's um, you know there's a very definite kind of we need to because obviously all the years of failures, you know what I mean, not making Euro 2008 and you know just not being where England should, given the size of the league, given the the amount of people that play there, given um, given you know the, the quality of the clubs and stuff, and and now they seem to you know now they're getting it together. No doubt. Well, like I said, I mean, it seems like uh, the English fans have to be very bullish, uh, not just on their future, but on this tournament. And, and looking at the group, Tom, there's England starts with Tunisia, and then they play Panama, and then they finish with Belgium. So they, they could conceivably have uh, a, a, a spot in the round of 16 locked up. In addition, would, would know who they would play because they play on the last day of the of, of group play. And then, and then, no, I'm sorry, they wouldn't know. Well, I, I forget if they play early or late, but but the, 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 they they could determine kind of their their fate. If if we draw Belgium, okay, we're going to go play uh, Colombia, 
but if we beat them, we we might get to play Japan, and, yeah. then, and then avoid and then avoid uh, Germany and take our chances with Brazil. So yeah. I mean, they, they, they they can really set themselves up to have to have a really nice tournament. Yeah, I mean potentially. Yeah, but let's not forget this is a team that you know lost to Iceland two years ago. So I wouldn't say uh, I wouldn't say actually in England there's a a lot of enthusiasm. You know, I think I think when you it's like it's a bit like Mexico to be honest. When you you know when you take a step back and like you were saying there, John, it's like it does look pretty good. You know, I've got the squad up here, and you're looking you're looking at where these players are playing. You know, Chelsea, Man City, United, Tottenham, Liverpool, um, Arsenal. There's, they're, they're playing at you know top top clubs, um, but like I said, there's not there's not a massive amount of experience in the squad. I think the top goal scorers, you know, got 15 goals. Danny Welbeck. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, Panama for me are not a good team. I mean, no matter how you look at it, Panama are not a great side. I mean, you know, they scraped through the, the CONCACAF qualifying. They did well. Bolillo did a great job, I thought, with them. Um, and, and at the end of the day, you know, I went to the Panama-Mexico game. It's not easy to play down there. I mean, I remember the Mexico game was raining. The pitch is awful. The grass is really long. It's it's just not it's it's not a not a pleasant place to play as an away team. I mean that's Concacaf for you, and Panama used that as well. Um, but yeah, I, and I think you know obviously England and Belgium. I mean heavy heavy favourites for this group, and you know I think the England Belgium game should be should be pretty interesting actually, because I think England with the way they play under Southgate because they're not they're not actually very attacking. I mean you look at some of the players and you think. You know, with Rashford and, and and Sterling and Kane and and Deli Alley, you think this is a team that could go on the attack. But to be honest, it's um, it's pretty much you know very it's quite conservative. Um, but it's worked with recent results. And I think against Belgium, because Belgium are a top top team, but Roberto Martinez, you know, such a high line. You know, and you look at England's team with kind of if you put Rashford on the wing and Sterling, um, you know, even someone like Welbeck, then I think I don't know. I think I think England can do. Do Belgium some damage, but you know, obviously at the back as well, Belgium are pretty good. I mean, you know, up front, Belgium are pretty good. So, so then you you expect England to uh, to, to to make it through to the next round, then? And yeah, under yeah. I mean, if they don't, you could, you couldn't ask for an easy group. Sure. You know what I mean? I mean, arguably, it's two of the worst teams in the tournament. You know, I mean, you you couldn't really couldn't ask for uh, for a better group than that. Yeah, there's no question, and uh, and then the round of 16 draw is going to be favorable because they, you know, the 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 World Cup is very interesting because on, you know on on either end of the bracket, uh, groups A and B, and then groups G and H, are have have, have all have groups where they avoided a a super giant, and then so they won't even see a super giant until at least the quarterfinals, which is incredible. So if England can manage, you know, you know like you said, they'll probably qualify to the round of 16. Then they'll play either Poland. <clears throat> Japan, Senegal, or is it Colombia? So, uh, frankly, it could be any one of those four because that, that, that's yeah. a group that's totally wide, a, a complete opposite to, to the England. Uh, but but I'd, I'd say if it's England, Poland, or England, Colombia, then there's not much between them, you know what I mean? That's going to be, uh, yeah, I think Poland on the day are a really good team as well, with, especially with Lewandowski, you know, if he's playing, and then Colombia. Columbia, obviously, very, yeah, I, th- I think either of those games would be, I think they'd be really quality World Cup games, no? Type of games you want to see in the, sure. in the knockouts. How do the uh, how do the English fans feel about uh, about about Southgate? Do they uh, do they like him? Or is, or is the jury still out? Is this is is this going to determine how he's uh, remembered uh, for better or for worse? Um, Southgate, I think, is um, you know 
I don't think a lot of people have a, <laughs> a wild opinion about him. It's just like that's who that's who's there at the minute. You know what I mean? It's not he's not very exciting. I think that in terms of the press, I think he's gradually won him over. To be honest, I think he's just been really kind of straight talking. He's told it exactly like it is. He's explained his decisions, and I think I think that I think the press the press have kind of respected him now and said you know and they like the fact that he's kind of you know he's, this is a this is a changing of the guard if you like from the last World Cup. And then everybody in England knows as well that you've got this next generation coming through. Then you put this next generation with, you know, like I said, with Sterling Kane, Rashford, John Stones, um, you know, Alexander Arnold, those kind of players, you know, Jordan Pickford even in goal. And then you've got potentially a really, really good team then. So I think, um, I think people, uh, you know, <laughs> Southgate is okay. You'll find a lot of people who just really don't like what he does. I mean, you know, for example, he's been playing Kyle Walker as like uh, right centre back, um, and people hate that. I mean, it's a bit like Osorio as well because Walker's like a very definitely a, a full back. But you know, so yeah, I'd say there's there's not strong feelings towards Southgate to be honest. Does uh, does uh, Southgate rotate eight and nine players at a time from from, from game to game like Osorio, or does he keep it? Uh... Does he keep the, the no, lineup pretty pretty fresh? Yeah, I mean, he'll change a couple of players, but not, um, and he'll change the formation as well. But nothing. I mean, you know, Osorio, uh, you know, obviously has the potential to do that, but I don't think I don't think that's going to happen now. It comes to the World Cup, I don't think there's much chance of it happening. Me. How hard was it for you, Tom, to uh, to express your 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 inability when you got the. Uh... The royal wedding invitation to say, you know, I'm sorry, you know, thanks, but no thanks. I got, I got the final, I got the final in Toluca. I got to go to on Sunday, so I, gotta, I won't be able to. I'm on, I'm on a bus. I'm on a bus to Toluca that day. Sorry. Not <laughs> 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 even joking, but no, I mean, yeah, I mean, quite honestly, I don't really care about the royal wedding. I didn't, um, I, did, I didn't think you would. I was just, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, if anyone's getting married on that day. Uh, and I wish them all the best. <laughs> like, you know what I mean. Sure, sure. And it don't matter what, if they're royalty or not royalty. You know? <laughs> Tom, Tom, given that he's the younger brother, would this make it the the royal wedding de ascenso? <laughs> it's not. It's not it, it, the premier it, one. It, it depends if the top one has the money to. You know, <laughs> it, it depends if he can do the payoff or not. And yeah, I don't know. I've heard, I've heard they're pretty rich though, them guys. So they're probably all right. <laughs> so, so it wouldn't be the Premier League wedding, but it would be the Championship wedding. Yeah, it's championship. It's like the playoff. It's the big, yeah. <laughs> like the That's championship right. playoff. Now, now you mentioned uh, Juan Carlos Osorio, uh, Tom, and uh, did did you get a chance? Were you in Mexico City when 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 he uh, announced uh, his, his list, or or did you uh, or did you uh, uh, see it on TV like the rest of us? No, yeah, I just watched it on TV. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously they only they only announced the time the day before and stuff like that, so. Yeah, no, I didn't get a chance, but uh, no, I thought it was interesting press conference and um, yeah, interesting reaction, no? Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, we, we were talking before you came on that the, out of the out of the players that were on the list, I mean, uh, I mean, there really were no, you know, no surprises at all. I mean, it just it was it it, it was who he's been using for six months. Yeah. Not. Uh, not not a big surprise at all, but. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, Tom, before before we jump into Mexico, uh, just to, 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 to touch it off, and I'm, and I'm sure that that Joel and uh, 
and and then Beto have questions too. But I've noticed a trend in Europe, and I think we saw it also with England, where they're they're not going after the big name coaches for national team coaches. Has the has the appeal to coach a national team is is has the luster worn off for, for coaches there, or is it just uh, the national team or the, the football federations uh, being more pragmatic about about who it is that they want to get? I think these days um, there's a lot of money to be made in, in, you know, in club football. So I think the top managers are basically attracted to the top club jobs. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's the fact that they're working with the players every day. Um, I think, you know, managers like that. I think, for example, Osorio, you know, I, th- I think managers, are they're just working their way up the ladder as well. You know what I mean? So, for example, for Southgate, this is a good job because really if you would have been a club coach, you know, I don't think he he might not have even got a Premier League club to be honest. Sure. You know, he might he might have been looking down to the Championship. So all of a sudden, you know, you get the England job. You know, you do something good with England, you make a good impression, and then you know he he could walk into a Premier League job. Um, and I think it's similar with Osorio to be honest. It's like if you look at jobs that Osorio could have got before the Mexico job, that would potentially propel him to a European job you know, a decent European job, then I think, you know, that's that's what he wanted for Mexico because I, th- I don't think in Sao Paulo he would have necessarily made that jump. You know, he would have had to go somewhere else first, you know what I mean? So I think I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the the, the career paths and stuff. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to, sw- you know, swing around and stuff. And, and honest, honestly, John, I think that, you know, international football right now, it's just in flux. I mean, nobody knows nobody knows what's going on. I mean, in the CONCAF region, it's, you know, you've got the Nations League, you've got the Gold Cup every two years still, you've got the qualifying. And I don't know, I mean, is is, is Mexico going to play, you know, are 80, 90% of Mexico games going to be against CONCAF rivals? And then what's going to happen to the sum friendlies, you know, if the, if the Nations League taking taking place in a lot of these international calendar dates, you know, what's that going to do for Mexico? And, uh, you know, I think it's the same in Europe as well. I mean, for example, if that is the case in Mexico, then how, how are you going to attract a good coach to the national team? And then the extent of that is what's the appeal of international football going to be, you know, in five, ten years? Um, I don't know. I think I think the international game is really, really in flux right now. Joel, did you have a question? Uh well, I just wanted to clarify because we were talking about the under 17. Mm. They did win it. So that yeah. was last year. They won it and, uh, I think Tom should be excited because they beat, they beat powerhouse Mexico in the group stage. <laughs> uh, they left Brazil out in the elimination round and they, they beat Spain in the final. And they also had the top goal scorer with eight goals. So just, just to. Just to go on what you were saying, uh, the good job they're doing with the youth teams. Yeah, no, I mean, but the, it's like it's like with Mexico. It's well, I think there's a couple of things. Um, I, th- I think that a lot of the Mexican players who have won the under 17 World Cup, you know, I think they just felt that, that was that was, they've achieved. I think they honestly thought that's it. We've won a World Cup. Like, yeah. you know, we're, we're on we're in the newspapers. We're doing it, and I think you know that that's always the worry. So you know, they, they think this generation of England players now they. You know, they can't see that as they've made it. And to be honest, I think the fact that a lot of them play for elite clubs helps. You know, you've got someone like, you know, the best player that tournament was, was Phil Fodden from Manchester City. You know, I don't think he's going to win the under 17s World Cup and name the best player and then go back to City and go to Guardiola and be like, Hey, Guardiola, look at me. I'm, I'm brilliant. Like, I'm amazing. You know what I mean? I won, I won the under 17s World Cup last week. 
you know. <laughs> well, Tom, wouldn't you, wouldn't you be disappointed if, if if he didn't do that? If he didn't, <laughs> if he didn't go back there and yeah, uh, no, uh, yeah. I mean, he he should be. You know, he, he needs playing time. I think Guardiola absolutely really likes him, but at the end of the day, it's a process, and he has to realize, or the player in question, all of them have to realize that they've not achieved absolutely anything, um, because at the end of the day, the under seventeen World Cup is just a bit of an indicator. It's not a kind of, you know, a huge huge achievement. It's a it's a good indicator that things are going well, that your youth systems are working, that you can put a team together, that you know the potential is you've got a generation of players from which you know. Three, four. If you get five or six players from one generation, that's incredible. So, you know, that, that's what I think England will be hoping for. But then the under twenties generation as well. You put three, four, five players of that generation together, um, and all of a sudden, you know, you've got you've got quite a few players. Now, which uh, which U seventeen team are you talking about there, as far as Mexico? Because I'm I'm certainly not the O five team. Because what you're describing as as, as as you know what you truly want to accomplish there is getting you know, three or four players out of that group. That's exactly what Mexico has playing, you know, that's on that on that list of 28 names. Yeah. They have Giovanni, they have Hector Moreno, and they have Carlos Vela. And, you know, Chicharito would have, you know, was was one of the final cuts. So they have, in essence, four guys from their, from their U17 genera- of that generation that 12, what is it now, four, four, 14 years later, 13 years yeah, later. Yeah, four. But how, how, many, how many of those would get in the England squad? You know what I mean? <laughs> all, all, all three? Right now. Oh, right now, right yeah, now. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like, oh, you know, I'm not, you're not like slamming Mexico, but it's relative. You know what I mean? In the Mexico squad, but I don't think Giovanni dos Santos playing for Galaxy and not playing well. You know, people in Mexico complaining about being in the squad. I don't think he's going to get ahead. You know, in this England squad. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, you, know, you know what I mean? And he's in his prime of his career, and you look where they're playing. Where you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not. Um, they've no, no. had good careers, and especially the context of you know Mexican players going out to Europe. You know the Vela and the Giovanni, they really broke boundaries. You no, know, going going to Europe so young, but still they're not they're not kind of shattered the glass ceiling. You know what I mean? In the way no, that you know but Hugo Sanchez did. Is to show that you know is to show the contrast of the team in in 2011 that won the U17 World Cup. Yeah. And I I can't other than La Momia Gomez, I couldn't even tell you a player from that team. <laughs> you, I mean, you know something Tom mentioned? You were talking about the rivalry between the players. Uh, you know, taking the club rivalry into the national team and how yeah. they won. They want to have them more go through the whole process of, of at least having a group that's been together through the youth teams. And that's something that Mexico had been working on or was, it was one of their goals to have, to have a group of players, uh, go, go since the under 15 all the way to the under 23. And then by the time they were in the national team, they would have X amount of international games already played together. Whose plan was that, Hoyle? It was, it was from the, Nestor, when he was the, <laughs> I knew you were going to see that, John. Uh, <laughs> when he was GM, when he was GM, he did an outline for, uh, for the youth teams and, and how they wanted to, to rope everything together. Not sure how much of that stayed, but I feel good with, um, with Dennis, Dennis working because he's, yeah, no, he's, he's good. No, but I think Mexico have done that. I think, I think they've been absolutely really successful with doing it. And, and you know, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with winning under under 17 World Cups either. But I don't, I don't know. I think Mexico's problem's different. Um, I think Mexico's problems. I don't know. It's like what Osorio says: they need these players need to be pushing themselves as much as they can, and and that's not happening. You know what I mean? It's just simply, it's simply not happening. It's not always the players' fault, but you know, they're not playing at the absolute top level that they could play at. 
And I think I think that holds Mexico back. How many uh, Mexico players, Tom? Do you think would would be a good number to be to be playing in Europe, other than the was like fifteen or sixteen or whatever it is that the, 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 that are playing over there right now? Honestly, now, like fifty. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I agree. I, I'm, the, I'm not being ridiculous. I'm like, no, no. if you look okay. at the Argentina and Brazil, they've got you know, and that's not saying you can only yeah. pick European players, but Euro Euro based players, but um, yeah, and and I yeah. think when people talk about Europe and stuff like that, and I think I feel like some people in Mexico think you're being bigoted or not. It's not. If if the Chinese league was the best league in the world with the best competition, you'd be like, you know, Mexican players need to go to China. On the other hand, even if the Mexican league was the best in the world, I'd still say it's good to go out, go out of your country because I think you just learn so much. And you know, honestly, if you're gonna, if I was to name one good positive thing about you know Mexico this World Cup, you're gonna say to me, Tom, why should I believe in Mexico? I'd say it's because um, because you've got this generation, these generations of players now who have played together for so long and know each other, and and you know the the, the collective bond is I think is really really strong. And you know if something is going to happen positive for Mexico in the World Cup, I think it's going to be because of that. Hey Tom, let me ask a question though on 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 the European players or the Mexicans going to Europe. Yeah, and maybe this is invoking the spirit of Ronnie, but. Uh... Uh, with all these year, with all the players going to Europe now and not really seeing a huge increase of success in the World Cups compared to 10, 15 years ago when they were mostly in playing in Mexico, is, is going to Europe really valuable for Mexican players? Yeah, well, I mean, that, that's relative though to other, other countries as well, sending players to the best leagues. You know what I mean? And so, you know, like Brazil, like 30, 40 years ago, wouldn't have had many players outside of Brazil. But now Brazil have got absolutely like literally hundreds two thousand Oh so they're keeping yeah. pace. They're keeping yeah, so pace basically. So Mexico had been one step behind and obviously it's now increasing. Um but you know even like you know someone like Costa Rica, you know, obviously <laughs> they're mainly in MLS these days, but you know you, you even you've even seen over the last 10, 15 years Hondurans go to Europe and and have you know and do reasonably well. Um and and I think you know that's the that's the that's that's the that's the problem. That's why Mexico hasn't done hasn't su- suddenly done a lot better. And, and obviously, it's not the only issue. I mean, you can have a, a team that plays in Mexico and is absolutely ridiculously talented, and they stay there and they do really well. It's not like the the be all and end all that. Oh, if you've got loads of plays in Europe, you're guaranteed success or anything. I mean, of course not. I mean, look at England. <laughs> I mean, look at England in the last you know ten ten years or so. But you can, um, 20, you can say twenty years, Tom. You can say twenty years. Twenty twenty goes back to what does it? Nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, probably twenty two years in it, really. Yeah, you, you twenty two years. Maybe you're ninety six. Maybe you could say thirty years, but uh, you know. <laughs> but you know, you're talking to Mexico fans, so Tom, we we feel your pain. We yeah. we understand. In fact, I was hoping. I think uh, unfortunately, I don't think she's going to be available. But I wanted to bring. The uh, the trash talking Werita on here to because she doesn't really know the the history of uh, of, of World Cup soccer and I, I wanted us to, to to describe a an incredibly heartbreaking painful loss and I was gonna have her guess <laughs> was it England's loss or Mexico's loss because you know because because let's be honest Tom both Mexico and England have they have I mean they they raise losing crashing out in the World Cup to an art form I mean it's, it's really can you think of other countries that have had more painful exits than than, than Mexico and and England in the World Cup. I mean, if you go back, then Spain were were a bit like that, weren't they? 
I mean, you know, always that seems to have a quite decent team, but could never get over that hurdle. But obviously, they they've like kind of they, they're the example, not for a lot of nations. I think um, how they've able to kind of break that barrier. Um, well, Spain also got really lucky in in the sense that they had the you know the two best midfielders in in maybe fifty sixty years. Yeah, play. yeah. So I mean, that helped. That, that, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. But I mean, they they put they've done the right things. You know, they they put a style in place. Um, you know, the same thing with the youth teams. They've got the they got the youth systems together. Um, and obviously, you know, they've, they've made use of the super clubs. No, I mean, they've, they've really obviously the Barca, especially Barcelona, but um, you know, also Real Madrid had quite a few, you know, Ramos and and Casillas in in those early years. So, um, so yeah, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, there are similarities between England and, and Mexico. I mean, not just going out as well at the tournaments. I think that. I think there's this expectation, you know, that that probably exceeds what it should, um, and and there's a build up to the tournament that uh, you know this is the year, this is the year, this is this is our time, you know, nothing can stop us. And I think the English press, I mean, it is it is incredible. But the one thing I would say now, that over the last few tournaments with England, because they've not gone well, that's that's kind of stopped to a degree. Now people are like going to the go go to the World Cup, and it's like, oh, let, let's see how England do. Before it was like. No, we can do this. We're going to win. We can, you know, especially like 2002, 2006. Um, but now that's just that's just come crashing down. Um, but well, in Mexico, it's not. In Mexico, there's still that kind of, you know, expectation that do the you, team's going to do something. Do you sense in Mexico that uh, that the fans are, are 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 they more bullish or bearish on 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 how uh, that they think Mexico is going to fare? I think I think this time this time around, you know, I don't want to contradict myself what I just said there, and but you know maybe a little bit less. And I think the reason is Osorio. You know, he's obviously not popular. Um, he's not making those really brash comments. I mean, if you remember four years ago, Miguel Herrera was talking about being the kind of a stone in Brazil's shoe, and that we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and and Osorio is not really saying any of that. He's kind of you know just giving these long explanations of. <laughs> like football very, stuff. Very, very long explanations. Yeah, and then he, um, and then obviously, you know, people. I don't know. I don't think it fuels people. But then you turn on the TV and you put Televisa or Azteca on, and and it's all about yeah, you know, really, really pumping up the World Cup. And uh, you know, I still feel that you know the Mexico fans think they can really do something. But I mean, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. You you don't see the Mexican fans as being really sort of maybe it's the older generation that's sort of negative with the whole jugamos como siempre uh, como nunca perdimos como siempre attitude is like they they want they go and watch the game and everything but when Mexico loses or they sort of in their back of their mind expect Mexico to <laughs> to lose or to fail is that do you see that attitude still going on down there? A bit, yeah, but I mean, I think it's just it's just one of those cultural events, no, that you just have to kind of buy into. And I think people still buy into it with the knowledge, but it's almost, uh, I don't know, it's almost that, I don't know, it's, it's almost like you can't miss it because just in case this is the one year where something you know, something different happens. And, uh, so so you want to get kind of emotionally involved with it. But, um, but yeah, well, yeah, it's... Um, no, it's definitely interesting. I mean, the, the interesting thing, you know, living in Mexico for 10 years and, you know, covering football here and then speaking to people outside the country, I mean, it, it's fascinating to see the 
and you know, not just in the States because obviously the States have got the rivalry and, you know, they've got a better grip on what Mexican football is. Whereas if you go to Europe, nobody has a clue, to be honest. I mean, nobody, they'll name a few players and they'll be like, oh, Mexico, a good team. Um, but, you know, that that's as far as it goes. They know a few, few of the players. Um, so, yeah, it's, and then in Mexico, it's obviously, these guys are absolute stars. Like the players are absolutely, you know, they won't give interviews. They're very, they're in their own little world. And then, you know, those same players are like not really known in Europe, to be honest. Tom, are you saying that La, La, La Trophies is, uh, is, is, is not, a, not a household name in, in Manchester? Um, not yet. Not yeah. yet. Not quite. <laughs> not quite. You mentioned, well, Tom, that, uh, that, that you think that you know, for Mexico to be successful or, 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 or to start having more success, rather, at the, at the international stadium, to have about 50, 50, 60 players playing in Europe. H- how does Mexico achieve that you know, with 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 the league that they have, with with the way that it's structured, what what, what can Mexico do to uh, to to get those fifty, sixty players playing in Europe? No, it's difficult, and you know, I don't necessarily need like you know fifty, sixty. I think even with the group they've got now, I think you can see the the difference in in quality. Um, because I honestly think uh, if 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 Mexico had four players, I think like they did in two thousand six, they were playing in Europe. Or, or I think it was nine or something in 2010, and then I think about eight 2014, um, or something like that. I can't remember the. But I know I know Mexico's never had a majority of players um, in a World Cup squad based in Europe. I think if Mexico had four again, then I think they'd be they'd be moving behind. You know what I mean? I think they would would have gone backwards. I don't I don't have much doubt about that. But then, but then um, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I have no idea how you do it. Joel, um, Joel, how how would Mexico do that, Joel? Well, wait, just give me like one one thing that that could, they could that could help a lot is end, ending the pacto de caballeros and having freedom of contract because then it 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 allow players to run down the contract and move over to Europe for free. Well, you know another another way that they could do it, Tom, is something that that, that Joel and I have been have been advocating. Okay. I was hoping that Joel would jump in there, but uh, I'm right here, sir. Well, well, hello, please, 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 Joel, please, Joel, jump in. Just more players, you know, just having more. More players playing regularly, you know, because then that that just is gonna increase the number of players that go abroad. I mean, if if we all the odds are very low right now because of of the number of players that you know some teams have up to maybe three starters, or or in the one the one thing we've been seeing even recently was and, and it's been going on for a while with very very few. Uh, Mexican strikers. If you go back a few years, you would have up to five Mexicans in the top goal scorers. Now there's maybe like one in the top ten. Yeah. So, but I know that the league, you know, because the league had a choice to make, the league presidents about, you know, how do we improve the league? And it's by bringing in more and better foreigners. And that's that's the whole, I could say the catch-22. Do you improve the league or do you improve the national team? Right? Yeah, that, that goes to another question. Go ahead, Chiquis. Oh, sorry, that, that goes to another question I had on uh, for Tom. He mentioned, I think, a comment earlier about in England they have they scout eight year olds and the, the vast amount of professional teams that are over there. Is that something that in Mexico? Because I'm I'm looking at Mexico and I see Pachuca do well bringing up developed players and 
and and Chivas is an all Mexican team, but they bring in all their Mexicans from other other teams instead of yeah. bringing them from. What, what's going on with the youth in Mexico? That's is that something that's lacking in their development of strikers, like Howell is talking about, and top players going to Europe. I think I think uh, I think to a degree, but but I still I think at the same time over the last like 15 years there's been massive improvements. I think definitely improving, but you know you're only going to see those results if 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 these players get playing time as well. And I think if you if you look at Chivas, you've seen some of the younger players, um, Salivar and then Godinez who came in at the end with the Concacaf Champions, like good players. You know what I mean? Um, but the, the kind of players like Almeida keeps repeating, you know. Godinez is, is one player right now, and when you're even 50 games under his belt, he's going to be a different player. Like Roberto uh, Alvarado and Nakaxa, you know, he started, I think, at Celaya, uh, went over to Pachuca, and, but he's got like 60 games under his belt, and he's only 19. And you watch him play, and you can completely tell that this is a player who's been a, a first team regular. So, um, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a, a massive issue. But, you no, know, with the scouting, I mean, Mexico, it depends who you who you want to compare Mexico to the to though. You know what I mean? I think uh, obviously compared to the states, I mean the Mexican youth systems look great. But then should Mexico be comparing itself to the states? For me, no. You know it should be comparing itself to other Latin American countries and and even and, and European countries and the structure that's in place for the kind of youth scouting for bringing developing players for for training players. There aren't enough coaches. There aren't enough coaches that can get kids that are, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old and teach them how to play the game. I'm not saying teach them, you know, get rid of that street thing about them and, and growing up playing on the streets and being, you know, like the typical street footballer called Demo Blanco. I mean, not not coaching that out of them, but teaching them systems and awareness. And Because I think sometimes when the Mexican players go to Europe, uh, I think that's that's those sometimes those are the things that they, they lack. Um and the youth, the youth systems have improved in, in, in Mexico, but I think there's still a long, a long way to go. I mean, look at the size of the country and what, 130 million people. And you, they need to be keeping track of the young players a lot better than they do right now. But, um, having said that, I think there's been massive improvements over the last, over the last 15 years. So I think it's a matter of continuing to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, another one of my theories as well is if you look at how many players Mexico have got right now from Mexico City, um, and I think you've got a problem there because if you look at the under-20 squad, the under-17 squad, the, the first-team squad, you get very few players that are from Mexico City. And then you look at the size of that place. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And then you look at, compare it to other countries, you know, the the impact that Rio de Janeiro has had on, on Brazilian football, the impact Paris has had on French football, London and, and England. And, you know, that, there's no different Montevideo. in Mexico. Montevideo. Montevideo, yeah. Buenos Aires. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, this is a, an alternative. This is a crazy theory, but um, I, I honestly think that it's something that needs to be looked at. And you've got a city yeah. that size, and you've got three clubs. It's just not enough. You know what I mean? It's nowhere near enough. And and you know, how many players have Cruz Azul produced over the last fifteen years? I mean, you know, when I say produced, like established themselves in the first division. I mean, very very few. You know, for, for considering on your doorstep. Cata Dominguez is the last one. I'm, 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 I'm not kidding. It's, it's sad, but true. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, America have obviously done better recently. Um, and but it didn't have... like that, Tom, though, because I mean, when I was a kid, Mexico, there were at least six, maybe if I'm not, maybe seven Mexico City sides. 
They used to play yeah. the game making. So, I mean, they've, you know, two have left. Atlanta left and uh, and Nakasa left. Yeah. And uh, you know, obviously there's Toluca. So, I mean, it's in the in the, it's it's not particularly you know it's on the on the western part of the of the well, it's in the suburbs now practically. But 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 I like the way you're you're thinking, Tommy. You, you need more Chilangos playing. <laughs> playing, playing, not just not just on the national, yeah. just playing in general. Tom, one question Chilango. that I had. Wait, 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 calmado, calmado, oh, don't make me, don't make <laughs> me break out my bad cop, Joel. I got the bad cop. I got the bad cop. You guys are going too fast. No, don't, you know this is something I've talked with Tom before. <laughs> we we talked about how, you know, like, just how you have certain areas that are very influential. You know, like like you guys were mentioning, and and it's, you know, they they actually done studies on this. Like I don't know if you guys heard the eighty twenty rule, the law of the vital few. So uh, for many events, roughly eighty percent of the effects come from twenty percent of the causes. Now, yeah. I do feel that there is probably they are missing out because, and and you know, even just for Mexico City to just have um, three teams, I, I think they should have way more, and and. You know, it kind of says how teams like Atlanta and Necaxa weren't able to hold on to to their um, fan base or or create more, given you know the the massive size of the city. So I think that even it shows some of the problems. You know, like maybe disconnect with the community as well. Well, but but I mean, even the three clubs that are in Mexico City, they are what what Tom? Are they like five miles apart total? Because they're, yeah, all, I mean, they're, they're yeah. all in the south. There is yeah. nothing, nothing in the north. There's nothing in satellite. There's nothing. I mean, it is all concentrated <laughs> in the south. Tom, I did have a question about the, about, about getting getting players to Europe. And yeah, uh, you know, you're asking, you know, where 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 can these players go? You know, the, the, there's a league that's just to the north of where Liga Mekis plays. It's getting ready to expand to 28 teams. They're at 20, are they 22, 23 teams right now. So they're gonna they're gonna add five more teams which is about what 30 so maybe they're going to add 150 players over the next three or four years or yeah. however long it takes so they're going to do that okay the, the the ncaa college draft cannot cannot add cannot adequately fill these teams Juan and i have both uh, been advocates of if if mexico is going to rely more and more on foreigners and more and more of these young players like 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 you mentioned the kid for from nicaxa who even in 19 is, is the exception to the fact that he has that many uh, professional games at 19. Yeah. It, it seems to me that if, 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 does it really matter if, if, if Real Madrid signs you, whether you're playing for Chivas or whether you're playing for LA Galaxy? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think so. No. I mean, um, you, at that age, you need opportunities. And obviously if you, you need the, the best opportunity you can get. So, you know, right now I think Pachuca is probably the best place in the CONCAF region to learn to be a player. You know what I mean? It's 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 like American football. No, it's like the the college system is the best place in the world you can get to learn how to be an American football player. Whereas and in it's, the it's subsidized by the taxpayer, which makes it even better. <laughs> yeah, but but um, but no, I mean the MLS. Um, you know, I think it's going to have a massive impact on the Mexican game. I think we're we're seeing it slightly now. I know we've seen it before with Jorge Campos and Suarez, and you know, it's yeah, not but, like this is this is yeah. like first ever, but. Um, if I was MLS, I'd be aggressively scouting Mexico's under twenties. To be honest, I'd be I'd be sending the scouts down. I'd be going to clubs like Tigres, Monterrey, um, Toluca, because they, they, these teams have decent 
you know, youth systems, but yet they hardly ever give the chances to the kids. And you take a Mexican kid to LA and you say, look, work hard for a year and you might get in the first team. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that that's going to be appealing. Um, I think the only thing stopping more Mexican players going to MLS right now is, is the wages. I mean, they, they can make a lot more money uh, still in Mexico than they can in MLS. But as soon as that changes, I think if you were to ask players, oh, where would you prefer to play in Mexico or in MLS? I think they'd say MLS. And I think that's the... That, that, that for me is something that Lee Remex has to be really, really conscious of at all times if it wants to, you know, maintain the superiority over the, over MLS. You know, Tom, I would have to add, you know, the mentality of the Mexican players because I'll say one recent story that, that we have for reference is Carlos Salcedo, who was in the youth teams, yeah. you know, Tigres Chivas and then he, he went to Real Salt Lake because they were going to let him play. You know, instead of just staying in one of these big Mexican teams where he might get a chance down the line, you know, and and then it might not come because then another coach might arrive and he would he could uproot the whole team. Um, but but to see him in Europe, you know, and not only that, Joel, but he signed he signed a contract this week to twenty. In- yes, so I mean, and you mentioned Godinez which I think is a good talent, but he's 21, you know, compared to South yeah. American players, he's three years behind. He, sh- he should have been getting this playing time in these games at 18, you know, or 17, 18, little by little. And, and just to see the handful of games he has, it's, 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 it's you know, kind of development, you know, it ends up hurting, hurting. They're not, a, they don't become as good as, a, as it can be. And, and I think like for him, if he would have, if he would have come to MLS, you know, he he would. I felt he would have been better off. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but then again, you know, MLS aren't exactly great for giving young young, you know, young players a chance. Um, well, I think that that's going to change, though. That uh, I mean, at least at, at least they're they're, they're starting to uh, to understand a little better that uh, you know that 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 it, that that it might not be such a bad idea to take a to take a chance on a 19 year old Uruguayan or whatever it is, and, and there's yeah, then, no yeah. reason why Mexico can't be in that, there, in that yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah there, was, there, there was just really quick. There was that talk coming from them that uh, they were trying to change their policy of just going after younger players as opposed to before, where they would just try to bring someone more established or about to retire, and 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 you see it in some of the teams like LAFC has a is young Uruguayo. And then uh, Galaxy yeah. went after uh, what? An under seventeen Mexican international. And he's playing on their U.S. And then Atlanta United has a couple of uh, of uh, very young uh, and, and promising players as well. So it, it's there's no reason why, uh, like, like you said, Tom, like 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 even a player like Lachokis, who you know is now what is he like twenty two, twenty three? Is he is he even twenty four? I know he's, he's he's pretty old. You know, for, for a player like that who who in my opinion you know shows flashes of absolute crazy brilliance. But just doesn't have enough, you know, whatever it is, just the, enough of the, of, of of the mileage on his legs to to, to really kind of you know get it going. But on the other hand, is he even going to get it going at this point in his career? Because he's already, you know, you know, for a player like that, is you know, have have we seen his best days? And it just seems like you know, the, the, it's it's frustrating for Mexico fans to see you know to see young players fizzle out like that, and. Yeah. What Mexico needs is to have a whole bunch of young players because some of them are going to fizzle out. 
but you know, but some are not. And Mexico just doesn't get that. So every they always put so much pressure on these young kids. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's a matter of it's almost like you you know you put some raw material into a machine and then you press the button and you know it, a certain amount comes out the other end. You know what I mean? It's like, um, and that, I think that that's how producing players works. Obviously, you want the stuff that you put in to be really good, so that create that means you need good scouting. That means you need you know to to go all over the country. You need good good coaches, and then what comes out? A lot of it that the amount that comes out depends on the amount that you put in. Um, and Mexico at the minute, it's, it's it's being reduced because you're not like like Jolie said before. It's like how are you going to export a Mexican striker to Europe when there are no Mexican strikers playing and and none under 25? You know what I mean? It's just not going to happen. And so it's kind of a, almost an ex- existential problem that Mexican football has. I mean, I think the solution um, I don't know how you create this is to you know you know going back to the England link, you know Jamie Vardy how he was playing in, I think, the fourth division, fifth division. He wasn't even a pro. He was a semi-pro. Um, and, and it, But, you know, he, he wasn't picked up by the big clubs. He went down the divisions, you know, shows something, then starts working his way back in. And all of a sudden, he's like, he's at the World Cup, which is, imagine how many Mexican players fit that bill. You know what I mean? But in, instead of playing in the kind of fourth, fifth division, um, just completely gave up. Because it, obviously in Mexico, the division, I mean, even the second division... There's some good talent, but it's a bit of a joke. You know, it, it is a bit of a joke right now. It's um, it's nowhere near what it should be. And then you go to the third division and the fourth division, and and the basically was uh, as basicus again. You know, I mean, I don't know how you create that like kind of ecosystem, uh, you know, in Mexico to 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 create that kind of safety blanket really for players that don't immediately make it. And, and give them a different division, competitive football, that they can work their way back up. Because at the minute, I think players dropping down to the second division, there are very, very few examples in Mexico of players dropping to the second division and then and then kind of going back. Now, I'm not saying there are no examples, but um, it, it doesn't happen very often. I can, um, give you, I can give you a future example, Tom. Go on. El Julit Peña. Drop and we, bounce back. His drop and bounce back. We he, do have to get his life together. Angel Reina in Toluca right now. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. But I mean, Reina, for me, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but um, but yeah. I mean, I mean, Chappies, I don't think. I don't think he'd do well in MLS. To be honest, I don't think physically is. I don't know. I, I think MLS. The the basic thing with MLS is that a Mexican player's value is is higher than a Mexican player's value in Europe. So, and, and players basically go, not, not just Mexican players, pretty much all players go to where they're worth more, where, who's going to pay them more. It's just like most people, no? Um, and obviously if there's not a big difference, then they might want to go to Europe. But if there's then a big difference, I think the vast majority of players are going to, are going to go for the money. And, you know, aside from Joffies, I'd, I'd mention Pizarro. I mean, if I was MLS right now, I'd, you know, I'd be looking into, I'd be looking into Pizarro, to be honest. Um, good age, 24 years old. He can play the, you know, the better part of his career. He's pretty much guaranteed to be a success because he's going to a, he's going to a weaker league and he's already been a success in Liga MX. So um, I think that that's a fundamental, another fundamental problem potentially that Mexican football has. But yeah. uh, let me throw let me throw a question at, at you guys. Considering that, I don't know if you agree or disagree, but um, in that case, if you agree with that, should Mexico fans Support MLS 
and be like, we want MLS to become, you know, one of the top five leagues in the world because we know that Mexican players are, are going to play there. And so we want them to play the most competitive football they can. So therefore it makes sense to kind of go yes. all in on MLS. Just well, too hard. Just you, too hard, Tom. You, you are uh, you're asking a, a group that, that that discusses this. Well, at least some of us discuss this on a pretty regular basis. I say no, though. Well, I know you say no, chickies. <laughs> but 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 I I, don't know, I can't speak for Joel, but I, I say absolutely because I mean, how cool would it be, Tom, to have mm. you know the, the the Concacaf Champions League be as big as 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 the Libertadores or as the Champions League in Europe? That to have a, like a Vancouver. Uh, Pachuca game just be massive, you know, and and, and be on prime time. So, so I, I think it would, a, a, if MLS becomes a top five league, that can only help the Yankees as long as they play it right. As long as they play it right. Uh, also, no I want to I want to add something else. You know, I, I don't know how you say it in English, but you know, sembrar raíces. You know, so you see some of these leagues like in Italy and Spain when they were starting, and you had Argentines and Brazilians going over there since like the fifties and sixties. And, and they were establishing themselves. So, yeah. so it's very common now to see like Argentine coaches or, or all, all the players that come from those leagues. They became uh, rentables, you know, they became very established, uh, known commodities. So, and that's one thing I've, I've talked with John about. Why not do that with the league here where we're going to send players where it becomes a good thing to have a Mexican player? That maybe 10, 20 years down the line, fans are excited to know that they're, they're getting some top prospect from Liga MX or something like that. See, and, 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 and to counter that, there's no reason why, uh, why Liga MX wouldn't go after American players for the same reason. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, no, there's not, there's no reason, but I just don't think the, I just don't think they've got the, the vision, you know. I think that's the problem with Liga MX. Um, no. They don't, I don't know. I, just, I can't explain it because they do want this league that's bigger, and you know you can see certain decisions that Liga makes have done uh, that you can see kind of where it's going in a way. But then they do other things, and you're like, "What? That's like a that's backwards, you know? <laughs> like the relegation story. Like that's sure. a back, backwards step." Like I don't know, and and it's you know sometimes it's it's not even a matter of substance; it's about selling it, you know. And I think. I don't know. I think MLS is, is very good at selling its products. Um, I think American sports, North American sports, um, are good at selling their product. No, I mean, the NFL and, and stuff like that. You look at their, how they've made inroads over, over, you know, in different places in the world where, you know, nobody really, when I was growing up, I didn't understand anything about, you know, NFL. But, you know, the, now you go back to England and people kind of like, Talk about it, and I'm like, what? <laughs> What's going on? But, um, but you know what I mean. The league remix needs to, it needs, it needs to sort its, sort it, get its, get its stuff together, really. And uh, and it's difficult, though. I mean, the, the model of league remix with all the owners, and you, you've got so many opinions going into meeting that. And I think, I think that's you. Then you see the results of the meeting. It's kind of like a hodgepodge, like a you know a mixed bag, completely coming from different angles. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's not like a. This is well thought through. This is our mission. This is what, this is the next step on the road to, you know, get to get to point B, which is being one of the best leagues in the world. It's kind of like, yeah, they want to be one of the best leagues in the world, but they don't really know how to get there and they can't even make the first few steps. Um, I don't know. Does that make sense? You know, they change the rules every year. I mean, it seems like they know how to make the steps. They just don't know how to put it all together or, 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 
or like I said, they have, have the vision to execute it. Like, like take for instance, Tom, the, uh, the, the rule about the 20,000 seat stadium. You know what? I, I think that's actually a pretty decent rule because, because then what you do is, is you get people to build, you know, stadiums that are, that are going to be compliant with Liga Mekis. Well, but they should, but if they were going to do that, then announce this rule and say, Hey, in five years, this is, don't, don't announce it at the beginning of the season. Cause then you have stadiums like Oaxaca and, and Tapachula that built brand new stadiums. They both did, but they're like 18,000 seats or, you know, or, 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 or whatever it is. So if, if, if they're going to make these, make these decisions, then, then, then give people time to prepare in order for that to happen. Because yeah, I think it would be great that, you know, that, that, that seems like a pretty good requirement because then you'll have, if people are very interested or, or serious about becoming a first division club, they understand that they have to make that investment to, to do that. So then you'll have, Say 15 or 20 teams in the Liga Ascenso that have 20,000 seat stadiums that are making the investment necessary if they want to make that jump into the, uh, into the first division. So that then again, it gives the opportunity for, for, for more players to play and more players to play comp- competitively. But now there's what, uh, how many teams are in, are in Liga Ascenso? Is it, there's like 10? I think it's 15 or 15? something now. I mean, yeah, it, I mean it, it changes every year. I mean, that's, yeah. It's one of those things. It's like, but but then, John, you know, honestly, I'm not saying like this is what I think now, but I kind of thinking about it more. If, if if it's based on you know who's got the investment, why not just sell the teams off? I mean, what's the point in maintaining this farce of rele- promotion and relegation when it, it don't really exist anyways? You know what I mean? Let's not lie. It's like, um, what's the what's the point in it? I mean, you know, me covering, I'm after what happened with Caretero and Chiapas and and Veracruz and all that a few years ago. I'm just like, what is the point in covering relegation? I mean, the team gets relegated and then that it's like a lot of things in Mexico, you get a no and then that's really the start of it, the process of that becoming a yes, you know what I mean? You get relegated and then you start negotiating <laughs> to see if you can stay in. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Well, at least at least, at least in this case, Tom, they didn't they did the negotiations at the beginning of the season so that yeah, they wouldn't but, have to I mean, you know, yeah. do it in secret at the end. But it just made no sense either because they wanted to get the league to 20, but there was always going to be a, a, a percentage chance that, uh, and they wanted it by 2020, you know, that there was going to be 20 teams in, in what, two, three years, if I'm not mistaken. But then you're relying on the teams that you want to get promoted, you know, that that fulfill all these requirements, so, getting so, promoted. So you know the, what I mean? Right. So so do you believe that, that, that Mexico doesn't have uh, enough, I'm sorry, Mexico as a country have enough, Interest in in, in in different part in, in different regions and different states in, in Mexico to to warrant having the two divisions. So you might as, might as well just have a 24 team quote unquote Premier League and and just and not have promotion and relegation. No, I, th- I think you need. I, I mean, you know, I think you need promotion and relegation. Um, I think there is a massive problem in in getting people to invest in clubs. I mean, there are you know obviously the massive investments. Um, you know, I throw an idea out there. Why not have you know the the two divisions and then close it from there if you know what i mean mm-hmm. so you've got two divisions and everybody fights it out between themselves but there's real promotion then you know what i mean so if chivas go down the the as long as they spend the money and they do the right things then they can go back up on the field because in the minute is in the way that the way that the system's set up it's so difficult to get promoted if i'm an investor i mean i know atletico madrid have invested in san luis and all that but if i'm an investor i'm just thinking forget it like what what's the point i could be here for like Five years, a bit like Leon, you know, before they got promoted, like being a really, really good team, but like just never winning promotion. And then it's like, well, do I want to spend all that money for, for all that time and not get a place in the big league? Whereas I think if you had two divisions, 
Alicia, and I think there's plenty of towns in Mexico that could that could kind of well, get that. you know, the, the, you know the the carrot of 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 the first division also has to be a little bit more uh, desirable as well. And 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 the reality is that there just there just is no carrot. I mean, I mean what I mean is like a financial carrot in order in order in order to justify that investment. I mean, there is some, but you know, you know, in, in Liga MX, they don't aggregate their TV contracts. So so you know, poor Lobos WAP has to come up to first division and then. You know, pay you know get get paid peanuts so that their games air on television, as opposed to you know in other countries. Hey, you're coming in. Here's your portion of this gigantic television contract that we've signed that we have all these teams as a part of. And yeah. That yeah. that that hurts too. So you're right. So so you're right. Well, why would it, why would somebody come in and invest in something like you said that it's so hard to get into in the first place? And then there's no other other than the prestige of playing in the first division. Yeah, I mean, what else is there? there there has to be a there has to be a much more uh, desirable carrot for for that investment to happen. No, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I think for the TV contract, I think Spain's the definite example where it is proportionate. You know what I mean? So you, the bigger clubs are getting the bigger slice of the pie, but the lower clubs are still like kind of at least getting that buffer. You know, they, because somewhat remains solvent, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And but, but I mean, the other issue, the other issue here is that, um, you know, what, what you're saying there, John, is like, who, who's it, who's it attracted to? Who, who's it attractive to right now? Liga MX and stuff like, and, and even Ascenso MX, and it's state governments. Sure. And I think this is this is one of the big issues. This is this is one of the things that I don't even know if they publicly said it. The Liga MX. Um, I think they have. I think they have actually, but. This is the one of the things they want to get rid of because we saw with Chiapas, you know, basically there was big state influence, you know, rumors of all sorts of things, you know. Um, it happens at Club de Cuervos too. <laughs> exactly. No, it's that kind of thing. And, and okay, if people are listening now, type in who's the uh, Presidente de Tapachula. Just type in his name and then type in a separate Google thing tab. And just just investigate a little bit about about who he is, about what he does, and you know I'm not saying he's a bad guy or anything. And you know Tapachula done absolutely brilliantly to win that tournament. I, you know I saw him live here against Leones Negros, and you know Caballero is you could tell they're a really well coached side. But then you, you look at the president of that club, um, and then you're thinking you know Man, Manuel Velasco, the Chiapas state governor, Aluero, he he was there. At the, at the game in Tapachula, he's wearing his shirt, he's celebrating in the dressing room after the, after the, um, after they won, um, in Oaxaca. And I don't know, I mean, that, it looks very much like there is quite a lot of influence from the state government. Well, I'm sure that they were expecting them to move the team back to Chiapas. I'm sure that that was exactly what, what the expectation was, regardless of what the quite. rules, what the, what the rule stipulation said. Quite possibly, or, or or increase the stadium. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, the point the point is, Liga MX really doesn't want that team to be promoted. You know what I mean? Um, because obviously, with 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 Mexican politics as well, after the revolution, there's there's only six year terms, um, and there's no re-election. And so, what these guys do is they invest quite heavily originally, and and after six years, they're gone. And then the next state government's like, all right, how much were you paying for that team? And they're like, oh, we're paying this much. And they're like, oh, well, no, we're not going to pay that. We're going to use this for something else. And it becomes kind of a, you know, it's, it, like, like look, at, look at Veracruz like now, right now with uh, Fidel Curry. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to suggest something <laughs> ridiculous, but, you know, as, as that club, that club has 
I think it's fair to say that club has given him a national profile. To say the least. And, 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 and that guy's a politician. I mean, at the end, the guy's himself. a politician. Yeah. No, you're absolutely... So, so what can we do, Tom? Do, 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 does, does, Tom Marshall <laughs> need to found, does Tom Marshall need to found the Clubing Les de Guadalajara? <laughs> no, it, it goes back to what I was saying about the... about um, Forget the... You know, if you want to get the 20 teams in there, then auction it off. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see how another way they're going to do it. I'm not saying I agree with that. I'd love like you know three divisions of you know club a club coming from the third division with a really young team and getting promoted and then you know winning the promotion to the first division and you know really fighting and but it's not not happening. I mean, even when clubs get um, look at even Lobos Buap. I mean, under Puente. Um, Look at the team that they won the title with, and then the team that they that played that first game. Look at Dorados, Sinaloa. I think they had a few more players, Dorados, but you know Le- Leones Negros. So they, these the second division teams, even when they do get promoted, the, they just completely change the team. It's just, um, it's uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't honestly. I don't know. I would I don't know I, what you do. I would wager to think that Leones Negros has to be the second most popular team in Guadalajara. Maybe behind. <laughs> I mean, and, and and if they you know if they made the first division, so so it auctioned off like a franchise a franchise fee, you know then 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 you get the folks that are really really serious about doing that you know and and I think of, you know I, I think Atlante not necessarily well one because of the, their history and tradition but uh, you know Cancun to me is just a a slam dunk place to have a first division league I team and they need to put a stadium in the zona Atlanta. I 100% agree with that. I've, yeah, I think I've, I've, I've definitely thought that before. And, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a big stadium, 20,000 stadium. It's not a massive town. Uh, yeah, I mean, the players would absolutely love playing there. So I think that would be an attraction. Uh, but, you know, for, for me, if there's two clubs, you've got Juarez, who, you know, just got a lot, a lot of money. Again, if you look who the owners are, uh, there's big money behind that club. And they're absolutely desperate to get promoted. And then you look at Atletico Madrid and what they've done with San Luis. I and mean, you've got two teams there who pretty much guaranteed they're going to add to the league. You know, Lobos Wap at the end of the day, you know, I loved them on the field, but in terms of what they give to the league off the field, then it's, it's very little. Um, and again, it's, I'm not saying that's, that's, that should be the important thing. Of course it shouldn't. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a difficult dilemma. I think it's something that Lee Remax has to balance out. But again, it goes back to when the club owners are making these decisions, and there's and there's friction and uh, between them and divide, and you know, then it's very difficult to come out to a, a conclusion which is very kind of you know clearly thought through, because you're gonna you've got all these all these different opinions coming in, and um, and it's difficult. And some people don't really care. You know, some of the owners, I mean, does does Veracruz's owner really really care about the future of the league? You know, whereas does Santos Lagunas, and I'd argue that you know Santos is really, really keen to for this league to grow. You know what I mean, and very aware of what's going on outside of Mexico, and you know what goes on in MLS and and in other different European countries, and you know just really on the pulse of the world game. And then you've got other ones who are, I think use the clubs for you know for other things and stuff. So it, it's difficult to get those the, such, such disparate disparate. Um, Viewpoints and, and types of people to get them on the same page and to do things in the right way is is, is complicated. Man, oh, there it is! I found it. I can never find it. 
but I, <laughs> I, but I found my crickets. I found my crickets. <laughs> well, Tom, I mean, you you uh, it's you you bring up stuff that uh, that I, actually we 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 do talk about a lot here on the on the Cantina Mekis podcast. Uh, so it's uh, very interesting that uh, that in in your years uh, in, in the ten years that you've been in Mexico. Uh, you've seen this now. Do you think, uh, Tom, that uh, is twenty the limit for for the if if you were okay? But rephrase if you're the Liga Mekis Commission, how big a how big a league would you want to have, and would you and and what would you do with promotion and relegation? <laughs> yeah, it's a difficult one. I don't, um, no, it's a really difficult one because it depends on. I mean, Mexico as a country can hold many more clubs than first division clubs than twenty. You know, and the ideal thing is you have relegation and promotion, and you have at least two really strong leagues uh, full of teams that that could potentially be in the first division. Um, I don't know how you get there though, and I I don't even think the people in charge know how they get there. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, but if you keep the current system as well with the playoffs and the and the two seasons a year, then you're struggling with more than twenty teams because even even with twenty teams, I think Tuca Ferretti was saying the other day, it's like when are we going to play? We've already got the Copa MX, we've got the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, you know, wh- when are we going to find p- time to play these extra two, you know, rounds of league matches? Um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a difficult one with that. But um, I don't know. I mean, it's, you got to you got to get attracting the owners. You got to, you know, like you said with the TV thing. I think that'd be a massive boost well, if they to come together. Well, you're the commissioner, so you you have you have got the, you 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 put the owners in line. You're the one that lays down the law. So what, what do you tell them? What do you tell them? Just, just join with MLS. <laughs> <laughs> merge, merge with MLS. Merge, just, just merge. Get rid well, of the headache. <laughs> you know that is some another thing that we've that we've kicked around here on the on the podcast is 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 instead of playing Copa Mekis, why not do a just a straight up one off tournament with MLS and just play it? You know the Play the bracket, however it falls, you know, home or away, whatever it is, just play. It. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you could make a, you could, you can make a case for merging the leagues. Honestly, I think if you, for for a number of reasons, obviously, that I'm not saying, I'm not saying this is what should happen or anything, but um, but but then obviously there's 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 reasons reasons against it as well. But you can imagine, you know, right now, how many really really good clubs would you say Mexico has? Like good, like like good clubs from good from clubs from, from like the the people that throw out the trash all the way to the very top, like just up and <laughs> yeah. you know, up and down. Well-run clubs that you like, you well, know, these think, good institutions, uh, good stadiums, like do things the right way. Yeah, it's like five. I, I, I put it at five. I think five or six. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's some have the potential to be better, but and then some have fallen off. Well, yeah, Toluca Santos. I think they've both been doing really well. Just the way they've been managing their club and even their stadiums. I said Toluca, Santos, Pachuca, America. Yeah, those are two Monterrey teams, you know. And can Cruz Azul now because they have Ricardo Pelaez, who I, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just a huge fan of. I'm just yeah. a huge fan of. I, 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 I will say that that when. Uh, with Ricardo Pelaez, we'll never have to use this ever again. I'm afraid I just flew myself. We'll, we, we'll be able to retire that aren't, one. Point. Aren't they building a stadium? Well, uh, they're supposed to uh, build build a stadium again in the south. Just shockingly, in, in the where the uh, the Grand Prix is, the Grand Prix track, the the, yeah. the Michuca. 
is where the stadium is, is supposed to go. And again, that's in the south. So once again, they have not, they had an opportunity to do something in the in the northern part of the city, and there's just there's just absolutely nothing there. You know, the last player that I can think of from Mexico City that had any kind of impact on anything is uh, Pablo Barrera, and he was from Satellite. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's um... well, Tom. Before I know we've we've we, we had you on for an hour. We uh, we don't want to keep you too long, but before we let you go, we do have to ask you on uh, on on the head and the heart there there for England, Tom. Where, where do you see England uh, finishing? Are they gonna are they gonna lift the trophy? No, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't think, no. I think uh, I think England are probably quarterfinals. Um, I, I think this is one tournament too early for them. But I think if you if you look at players like you know, even Deli Ali, I mean, 22 years old now, he's achieved so much at Tottenham. He's a bit inconsistent, but potentially this is a this is the top top player, like elite, you know, fighting with the world's best. I think right. Kane, Kane right. Kane's the one who's he's absolutely proved proved it. You know what I mean? I think no. Sterling's got a little bit. I think Rashford's still got a, a way to go. Uh, but if they'll if those players develop like you expect them to, and at the next World Cup, they're all coming in the prime and you've got the next generation doing what, you know, Sterling and Ali are doing right now, then I think you're going to have a, a really, really good team. Who, what English player has the best chance to be signed by Real Madrid if they have a good World Cup? I think Deli Ali. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, Harry Kane's very, very committed to Tottenham. Uh, Deli Ali. uh um, and yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. He's probably too young for him now, to be honest. But um, yeah, I'd say I'd say Ali. You know, Sterling's already at City making loads of money, so you know, obviously, obviously that's very unlikely. Um, you know, so yeah, I'd say him. Um, I'd say Ali. So it's it's quarterfinal finish for you. So the the, the chances are pretty high that they're if they make the quarterfinals, they're either going to face Brazil or they're going to face Germany because that's that's who's on that side. It's going to be one or the other. So. <laughs> So, yeah. depend, depend, if they finish first or second, it's not going to matter. They're going to play either Brazil or Germany in the uh, in the quarterfinal. So, quarterfinal exit prediction for Tom. And of course, your heart says they're going to they're going to lift the truth. They're going to um, just like they do on your PlayStation. <laughs> Honestly, I've never, I don't know. I've never been a massive England fan, to be honest. It's really? A bit weird. Oh. Yeah, it's a bit weird. But um, well, see, this, so you've been able to give us a very like, almost like an unbiased. Another yeah, it's not um, which 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 was uh, you know was what we were looking for. So, <laughs> but uh, no, yes, yeah, I don't know. I think some sometimes people from you know like cities like Manchester, Liverpool. I don't know, especially like you know Liverpool fans or like Man United fans. I don't know. There's so, certain clubs in England where you know the fan bases aren't the kind of almost anti-England, and it's like. It's uh, yeah, you, I mean, it's something you definitely don't see in Mexico, but um, you definitely get that feeling in in uh, in England with certain clubs. That's interesting. I did not I did not realize that that was such a yeah. prevalent. Yeah, I mean, sentiment. there was there was a uh, there was a period when uh, Heinze used to play for Man United, where the United fans would sh- chant at him, Argentina, Argentina. They're like supported Argentina, supported Argentina <laughs> against England, like, which is absolutely amazing, no? But I mean, that's the, it's kind of almost regionalism and stuff. It's, um, yeah. And also, you know, with United, you know, you had Beckham got sent off against Argentina and then everybody in England hated him for, for, for quite a while. Phil Neville as well got a lot of criticism, uh, with England. And then, you know, you had to play like Skulls who used to, used to go to England and, and just be played out of position and stuff and never really, I don't know, just 
he, he should have been the central hub of England midfield for what ten years easily, and it just, just didn't happen. Things like that feed into it, I think. Just like my prediction that Chaton was going to be the Chaton. the midfield general for ten years after the Olympics. Oh man! I mean, I tell you what, I tell you what, with with this World Cup, if Chaton would have developed like oh, he, we he'd thought be he was going to be. He'd be, he, the he'd be that holding midfielder that you know Osorio is absolutely desperate for. Just absolutely <laughs> desperate for. Four, he would. He meets the what the height requirement. He meets the height requirement. He's a, he, he plays. He, the, he, plays the, he plays the defensive part of the defensive holding midfielder very well. Yeah, it's, it was. You know he and and then that Olympic run when he came on in the second half, Chaton, that team changed completely, completely. It was he was the difference maker in that. It's very sad, Tom. It's very sad. All right, Tom. So we wait, wait, wait. Uno más. Uno más. No, I was going to ask about Mexico, but go ahead. Right, right, go ahead. It was not every day we get we get uh, Mr. Marshall here. Um, was this oh, final yeah. question, or you have? I was going to go ask on. about the, the Liga MX final. Oh, the final. Favorito Angels versus well Saints versus Devils. Saints versus yeah. Yeah. No, it's um, I don't know, it's a weird final, no? I don't know. It's, just, it's kind of something a bit. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like there's a final. It's tomorrow. funny you say it's weird. Uh, one of our panelists, he's not here right now, Ron. He said uh, they don't know their places in the league. To look at. Yeah. No, it's like you would have no idea what team he supports <laughs> with, a, with with a comment like that. But, would, would never know. Would never guess it. Right. It really shouldn't be a surprise that Toluca is in the final, given the regular season, and you know. But then it's like I don't know. It kind of is a bit surprising at the same time. Just thought they'd kind of be one of those you know regular season leaders who who you know play uh, one of the bigger clubs and then and then kind of fizzle out. You know, just fizzled out and just does just has a bad game. And you know, I think you I think you have to give Santos Laguna a lot of credit for you know for what they've done. I think they knocked out Tigres. Which for me, for me, still the best team in in Mexico, and then then they knocked out Club America as well. You know so, what they call that? They call that the Toronto two step because that's exactly Toronto what the, what, <laughs> the, what Toronto FC did in the Conca Champions. They knocked out Tigres and then America to make the yeah. final. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think Santos have really got it together in the in the uh, in the playoffs. Um, they weren't doing very well at the end of the regular season, and it suddenly they've clicked again, um, but. You know, Toluca finishing out at home, it's always going to be it's going to be difficult. Um, it's going to be difficult for Santos, and um, yeah, I don't, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. It's going to be. I don't think there's much much between the between the two teams. You know, you look at Toluca, and you know, in terms of young Mexican players as well. I mean, you know, I, I've always said, you know, I know Toluca fans there's a couple on Twitter that don't like it, but it, they don't excite me. You know, this team doesn't like excite me. I'm not saying by that it's a bad team. You know, I think it is one word to describe kind of to look at balanced. And if you look at all the stats, they're like there's nothing that kind of jumps out and says, "Oh, this is what they're good at." You know what I mean? They're just very good at everything. They've got the two older midfielders. They've got Sam Buesa, who's just for me just unbelievable at finding space. I mean, if there's space to be exploited, he'll be there. Um, and then um, Barrientos there behind behind the the striker Oribe, and you know top top playmaker so they're, they're, they're a good team they're a good team and very very well balanced and and uh you know 
great. It sounds obvious, but decent in defence and obviously, you know, okay going forward as well. So, I mean, they're a good team, but if I'm going to be jumping up and down off my seat watching Toluca play, I don't think so, you know what I mean? Um, again, going back to the, the issue of the Mexican players, I mean, you know, Leo Lopez, he doesn't even belong to Pachuca. I mean, that's the only, I mean, that doesn't even belong to Toluca, sorry. Um, you know, he's still, he's still a Leon player. Uh, so I don't know. That's 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 something that I always like to look at. You know, with these teams, you know what I mean. And then you look at Santos Laguna and you think about Angulo, um, who for me has been absolutely brilliant. I was actually going to, yeah, I was going to say in the in the, I guess it was it was the quarterfinals against Tigres. He was outstanding, and then he was outstanding in that in that in that first game in Torreon against uh, against America. So he's a and he's what nineteen years old, Tom? Is that right, Angulo? Yeah, he's he's a he's an exciting player. And then you know Santos. Santos is a club to really look out for in terms of the youth, the youth development because they're doing, they're generally doing good things, and I don't think they're shouting it from the rooftops. And and again, I don't, I don't necessarily, you know, think that clubs that are like, and, and Santos do boast about winning, winning the 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 under twenties and the seventeens and reaching the finals. And obviously, it's a good, it's like the the world, the under seventeen World Cup. It's a good indicator that you're doing things well. But at the end of the day. The, the goal of a youth team is to get players in, into your first team. I mean, and I think Santos for the next few years, um, are going to do that. You see Angulo, I think Abeya, is like the, the example right now. And what um, about, uh, Isihara? He, cause he, uh, he's one of the young, the young players as well, is he not? Isihara, um, no. I've got a funny story about Isihara actually. Um, I was at Santos a couple of weeks ago and I interviewed, uh, Villafania. And then Biafania left, and then Easy Hara came past. I didn't recognize him by his face. And the press guy from Santos was like, oh, this is one of our under-20s. So I started asking about the under-20s. I was like, oh, so, uh, you know, looking forward to the Liguilla. Who were the best teams in the under-20s? And he was like, yeah, you know, like Atlas and America. And then they just all burst out laughing. And then I was like, oh, it's Easy Hara, and he's 28 years old. Oh, he's 28. I thought he was younger than that. <laughs> Me too. He looks younger. I thought he was definitely younger, but he's 28. So uh, he's been around a bit. But anyways, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, Tom, uh, I know that uh, you're, you're going to be covering uh, Mexico uh, in the upcoming uh, World Cup. But do you uh, what, what what is your sense of uh, or how would you consider uh, this World Cup a success for Mexico? Mexico, I mean, I think quarterfinals is a success. I think if Mexico get out of the group and lose against one of the top teams in the round of 16, I mean, I don't know. People really going to be upset at that probably but I, I mean it's not it makes no sense to be upset by that if you know what I mean sure um, when you take a step back and look at this Mexico team you know I really really like this Mexico team I, I like the way it plays football um, and I'm not saying you know four years ago they didn't I, I also like that team but um, and, and I think you know you've got to, got to enjoy the World Cup that's that's my goal anyway you know I think anybody supporting Mexico or following following Mexico is Mexico got a team that that plays nice football, that attacks that attacks the opposition, that is going to attack Germany. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit of an idealist in that regard, or you know, a bit of a I don't know. I can't remember the word now. But um, you know, that I, I like that. I, I place like worth in in playing that way rather than going around covering a team that kind of sit back and are open for a, yeah, a counter attack or a set piece all the time. I mean, I don't know. I just. I, I like the kind of football that Mexico play. Um, so I'm, I'm 
quietly optimistic. I think the group is very, very good. I don't think Mexico have the individual players um, that other teams have. You know, even say a, a you know a, a, an Egypt with Salah, um, you know, a Portugal obviously with Ronaldo, um, or who else? Um, you know, even Korea with Son. I mean, I don't think Mexico has a Son. You know, a player at that that level. But um, but yeah, I mean, let's hope that Lozano steps up because I think it's it is another step up for him. Um, and a couple of times when he stepped up in his career, he struggled at first. Um, thinking, you know, the, in the Olympics, I think I don't know what happened there with him. And then, and then when he played against Chile, I mean, I think he was he looked out of place at that point. And hopefully now with that season with PSV behind him, that um, you know he takes this opportunity with both hands because you know he's a player who could could move to a big club. So um, yeah, I think you know that's that's what Mexico need to be looking for. You know, the, someone like Lozano to really step up, and then the collective to to do its job because. You know, Mexico is a team very, very capable of uh, of having a good World Cup, I think. Anybody else uh, have any questions for Tom before we uh, before we cut him loose? Chiquis, Joel, go in once. Not I. Thank you very much, though. Well, <laughs> Tom, uh, again, uh, thank you. So much for, for for joining us. We don't want to. Well, anyone knows we took up so much of your time, but we do appreciate you coming on and and chatting about England, about Liga Mekis, and about Mexico with us. We uh, we do appreciate it. When are you uh, when are you off? Um, it's pretty much. I think I'm going to. Uh, I think I'm uh, going to Denmark first. So yeah, I mean, basically, it's, it's all starting now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. The Liga MX final this weekend. I'm going to be at Toluca in Toluca. I'm not going to the first leg. And then, you know, you've got the LA game and then it's back to Guadalajara for a couple of days and then into Mexico City, back to Guadalajara for a couple of days, then Denmark, and then, then it's all on. <laughs> then it's all go. And, and you're just, you're just going to catch that, that Guadalajara, Copenhagen nonstop, I'm sure, right? You know, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The three flights Everybody's... a day on Adio Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be amazing. It's going to yeah. be an amazing flight, that one. <laughs> well, anyway, all right, boys, well, thanks a lot. No, we appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Tom. Have a have a, a, a safe travels in Russia and, and enjoy yourself. And we will be uh, following your coverage uh, from uh, from the World Cup. So thank you for joining us. No, thanks a lot for the invite. Speak soon. Bye, boy. Hey. Cheers. Cheers. Tom Marshall joining us uh, from ESPN FC, giving us uh, a lot of. Uh, Insight on England. Uh, I, I'm very bullish on England. Uh, I think that they uh, have a have a, a real good chance to, to to pull the upset in the quarterfinals. I think. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I do think that they that they have a really good chance to, to to get a result and be one of those surprise semifinalists that we occasionally see in the World Cup. But we'll talk about our predictions when the when when the time does come. But I, I do notice that when I was hoping that, uh, that 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 he would come on, and he has come on. So we have to introduce. Dan, the only way we can after taking down Club America, Daniel Preciado joins us from Escondido. Dan, how sweet, how sweet must must that have been for you as a Santos fan, knowing that your is it your dad or your or your father-in-law that is the 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 the, the cremoso in your family? Oh, did we lose Dan? Hopefully, Dan will be back on here. Wait, can you guys not hear me? Oh, there you were, Dan. There we are. My, Dan. my, my bad. Um, yes, it's my dad who's uh, the the asshole crema. 
We have not spoken of the match, though. So. <laughs> you mean on purpose or, or yeah, just no, you just have we, we spoke the other day, and I made it a point not to bring it up because um, he is offering me to, to help me out with some some uh, some DIY stuff. So I didn't want to. I didn't want to mess that up. <laughs> so I just got. <laughs> So you'll you'll it, uh, it was all business. You'll drop the bomb when the when the last screw has turned. Yeah, yeah, it, it is premature to celebrate. So like, uh, I'm not one to celebrate uh, getting to a final. I mean, it's a it's a it's an accomplishment. It's fun. It feels good, but uh, it's not over yet. So can't celebrate yet. But um, man, I I don't recall being so emotional over on, on watching a match in a long time. I mean. I couldn't help, but uh, the the, the four-letter words were just like just flowing with, with, with that first penalty, and just the overall officiating uh, I thought was was really poor. Um, I think he kind of I don't know if it was a, like a conscious thing, but it seemed like the the calls started going in Santos' way to, in the swallowing half, unfairly also. So um, yeah, I thought it was a terribly officiated game, terribly officiated. Um, I thought the referee had way too much of an influence way too soon, um, but it sure as hell made it interesting, I thought. The, I mean, it sucked you in, uh, but you know. I think the, the way Santos was able to respond with that goal right before the second half, I think that was like the the nail. I think it, 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 it completely took the momentum away. Did you the second sweat? half was actually kind of boring, I thought, mostly. Did you sweat through your shirt in, in, in those first 20 minutes? Yes. Yeah. But I knew I would. I knew I would. I'd never imagined, I never never remotely thought that this was going to be a stress-free game. Because it never is. Even with that 6-0 that they laid, um, or whatever it was, they, they, they almost, they made it interesting um, in that return leg. So I, I, I felt that this was, it's Liga Mekis, you know, you, a 3-0 is not safe. Right. Well, we're glad to have you on, Dan, and uh, we just had uh, Tom Marshall uh, come on. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm obviously um, on the road, but I uh, wanted to tune in and uh, discuss a little bit of footy. And uh, Tom, uh, cautiously optimistic about Mexico, didn't want to, you know, also we don't want to put him on the spot as far as making any kind of prediction, but he does uh, seem to think that Mexico has uh, at least some of a, a modicum. Of a, of, a, of, a, of a chance for, for success in the tournament and uh, and also hedging a little bit in the sense that, you know, not, not Tom himself, but you know, saying that, hey, you know, you know chances are if Mexico does make it through the next round, they're going to play a really good team. That middle part of the bracket that we're talking about where they're the, the super giants, the, the teams you want to avoid if you're, if you're not a super giant. And, uh, you know, as such, Mexico is going to uh, – have to deal with that in the round of 16 in all likelihood. And, uh, you know, they'll take their chances as they come. We have a final coming up. Uh, Santos is playing Toluca. First leg is tomorrow night. I believe it's at 8 o'clock Central, 9 Eastern, and uh, 6 on the on the West Coast in Torreón again. So it'll be a good, uh, a good, a good sizzling temperature. For Santos, at least to have a little bit of their of their late afternoon home field advantage that uh, they seem to do so well with, and uh, hopefully they'll be able to uh, take advantage of that, and get 
uh, a, a comfortable advantage to head down to Toluca where we uh, have seen and we saw uh, Tijuana have to do it. This is where the the training in the in the sand dunes comes in handy. Oh yeah, all that think... all that pain felt in the preseason. Uh, this is where they lift all their weights. Unforgiving sand dunes. Uh, this, this is where, this is where yeah. this is where it pays yeah. off. The the, the 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 sand dunes of Torreon. In in in, in the in the comarca. Yeah, and outside. Um, I believe they were probably in Chihuahua, but uh, technically, but uh, I'm not quite sure. But uh, yeah, is that where they do their preseason? They they go to the high desert and and, and run on the sand dunes. I have seen the the. The videos, yes, it, it, it looks it looks miserable, to be honest with you. Is, is are they good like slow motion videos where they're really grinding and you know the sand is flying everywhere and you see the the sweat just you know just just glisten off their bodies as they're, as they're really working hard. You're thinking, man, this this team, this is this is a championship caliber team because this this shot is so good. Things look really steep. Yeah, like for all that effort, you know, they're, you're moving like two inches up. At a time, so it's um, yeah, no, no, it, it looked awful. I'm like, man, that's, I mean, of course, you know, they're paying you. There's no way you can get me out there. You know, uh, Dan, we did ask uh, Tom earlier, who who's from uh, from the Manchester area, if if belligerent ghouls ran Manchester schools, and he said yes, 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 they do. Wait, one so. more time. I said that uh, you know we had, we'd asked Tom if, if if belligerent ghouls run Manchester schools, and uh, did he, he catch the reference? Oh, of course he did. I didn't know. You know, I can't assume everybody from Manchester is going to be a. a actually, fan. actually, that was that was a tip off from uh, from from Joel, who, uh, who really the, yeah who who gave me that. But uh, the the uh, the problem though is uh, is you know we can't play that stuff because there's I'm gonna put my like little drops and stuff, but. Uh, they got that that crazy software that uh, we've been uh, busted a few times. They catch you, yeah. Videos and audio, so we would try. You know, just... I'll, I'll send I'll send him an email and ask him. You know, this is like because I know he's very uh, Mexico friendly. It's like, hey man, we're just promoting your brand, dude. That's right. Free. That's right. So I'll, I'll talk to him and see what we can get done because I think he I think he owns the rights to his own music at this point. Oh really? He may. Yeah. Oh well, if he owns his own rights, then uh, okay. I, th- I think you should Might be more forgiving, right? One, one, one would, uh, one would expect. The, the bad thing is, is that I, is that I, fr- I, I screwed up the second line because I forg- I, you know, it's a song I've known for what thirty years, and I, you know, spaced it. I got well, nervous. No, confession, I, I'm, I'm terrible with lyrics. I have probably been singing along to this too, and probably inserting incorrect lyrics for the better part of like thirty years, probably. True story, Dan. True story, and I think I've, I've said this on the show before. Up until like maybe my early twenties, when a person got a yellow card, uh, and, you know, it's it's amonestado I, with an N. I thought for you know most of my young life that it was amolestado with an L. Amolestado, like it was, you know, and it made sense. Molested. Because, you know, he, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, he was molested. He's been yeah. bothered. He was bothered. <laughs> Like I wasn't, tra- I wasn't translating into like the like a pervy vibe. Right. Yeah. Like, because me, me estás molestando, was, me estás yeah, molestando. Yeah. yeah. yeah being I can bothered. See the connection. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, for for years up until I, I think I saw it on a graphic on television. I was like, oh, what? Well, I, I had no idea. So yeah. So I I can certainly understand how you uh, well anybody that that, that sings lyrics, the uh, gets the words wrong. 
Joel, do, do you have a, a particular song that you that you that you sing the the words wrong to on purpose? There's, no, not on purpose. Yeah. There's probably a few where I got it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I will say this. Uh, my wife is a big Bon Jovi fan, and, and congratulations to Bon Jovi for making the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But there's a couple of songs that she likes that uh, that I kind of changed <laughs> change the lyrics to the song as I was singing it. It made it a little, uh, let's just say a little blue, and and she was not appreciative of my <laughs> of my of my of my of my attempts at humor. I thought it was hilarious, but uh, she, <laughs> if those songs come on. She, I just look at you and she goes, don't you effing dare. It's pretty funny. So, uh, yeah, there is. Uh, I was hoping that she would come on tonight. I had this whole this elaborate thing set up. We were going to ask her questions to see, you know, which which team had a more had a more painful exit. And if if she would have guessed England, she would have done this. <laughs> and if she would have chose Mexico, if it, that was the one, we would have played this. It would have been perfect. It would have been perfect. But yeah. unfortunately, she just started a new gig, and she was she, 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 no. she's like, she's like, I, I, I can only be just a little trash. So you know, just in 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 in, in honor of the trash talking with that we will uh, we will let her have one of these. Club America, they suck. So, <laughs> so even though she's not with us, she's still talking trash. She's with us in spirit, John. Yeah, she is. See, and and, and, and you know, and, and then Tom was talking about the book, Fifty Years of Pain. So I mean, oh, just, man. The whole setup would have been perfect, and we, we, you know, we would have asked a question. Would have, but unfortunately, it, uh, it, it, it didn't, it didn't work out. So, it's a, just a, an opportunity for, 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 for good podcast fun there. You know, that would have been one of those things where we would have like broken it off and like posted it separately. I think it would, have, you know, <laughs> it, it would have worked really well. Bueno, chavos, hate to be the bearer of bad news, but ya te vas, Joel. Ya me, ya me están regañando. Yeah. So. Well, you know what, what you can do. You know what you can do to get back, Hoyle, is, is, is like one, one of the songs that, that come on comes on that she likes. <laughs> Change the lyrics. Change the lyrics. Change the lyrics. I'll, I'll keep that in mind, John. Hoyle, before you go, uh, we're not going to yes. talk again until maybe after the final. So, who you got? That is true, man. Such such a tough one, man. It's even, it's Steven. Steven. It's going to go to penales, I think. Yeah, I, I I'm looking at the crystal ball, John, and it's, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. it's a tough call. I can't. I'm, um, I can. I will have to meditate on that. Well, hang on, go, hang on. A second. Go, hang on go a through second. the desert, take some peyote. <laughs> hang on a second, Hoa. Hang on. Yeah. I, I might be able to help you out here. I might be able to help you out. I might be able to help you out. Of course, I'll be able to help you out in 15 seconds. So, <laughs> so hang on, hang on here. But uh, but 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 oh. you're, you're looking at your crystal ball. Yeah. And. Uh, it's 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 very cloudy. Is that right? It's very cloudy. You need to. It's very cloudy, man. Yeah. Very cloudy. <laughs> what do you see, Joel? What do you see? No, it's still, it's still the same, man. So 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 you 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 can't you can't make a a judgment one way or the other. No, this this will put me to sleep, John. Do we need to jolt you awake, Hoel? Do we need to jolt you awake, right? <laughs> no, they, they, they both both teams have, you know, 
How dare you? Esta se me olvidó. No, you know, han hecho sus méritos. They both have. They were both capable enough. I, I just don't see one where sometimes you have a clear favorite. I, I don't really have one. Okay. Well then, well, you know, since, since you, uh, so, 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 so your, 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 your final assessment is you have no idea. It's, go, it's a coin toss. It's a coin toss, man. go either way. Coin, yeah. yeah. It's a pick'em. Yeah. It's a pick'em for Hoel. All right. Well, then you know what, Hoy? Then you 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 can't be wrong unless, unless if like somebody wins five <laughs> zero, okay. you know, yeah. in the in the first leg, in the first. Yeah, leg, man. So. That's yeah. Well, well. All right then. Well, Hoy, we will uh, we will uh, let you uh, we'll, we'll we'll let you snap off then. Okay. Uh, uh, thank you very much for joining us as always. Hasta la próxima. And we'll talk later, to you later on down the road. There it is. So, right. so Hoy undecided. Yeah, I got, I got the Luca taking it. Yeah, you are gonna eat eat some chorizo. Yeah. All right. Any particular reason? Just because they're playing the second leg at home, or? Yeah, that's that's part of it. And then, uh, I think their their defense is solid, and they got the uh, some some Buesa, Uribe. They got enough enough people on offense to. To pull it off, I think on the on the return leg, they won't they won't they won't concede that many goals like America did, which America looked pretty bad defensively. So, yeah, but Santos also won't be giving up that many goals like like Tijuana did either. So, and 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 don't forget, Tijuana was you know even even with the hat trick, Tijuana was still one goal away from making that. Uh, much more interesting for Toluca than it had to be. So, you know, Toluca can yeah. can be they they can be had. I don't think I don't think they're an overwhelming favorite at all. Like, like Hoya says. But in your mind, though, you think that they have enough to 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 to, to take it over the top. Yeah, and I, I think some of the some of the Santos goals were uh, were just like golazos. It's like okay, when is the you don't rate golazos, do you? I rate golazos as very hard to come by. And I won't say I won't say it's luck, but I'll say that the time for golazos can can run out. Like you, you're not going to make those every single time. It's going to hit a post, or it's going to just go off off uh, off goal. And uh, if they can keep it up, then they they're the deserved champs. But uh, I tend to think those types of golazos come to an end after a while. And, but they didn't have Janini in the last game, so that. That's another thing to consider. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, Chiki's picks Toluca. We're gonna uh, wrap, uh, have ask our uh, our resident Guerrero. Now, in the first leg, you picked against your team because you thought Tigres would win, and, and uh, you know made sense. But then in the second one, you're like, hell no, I'm not picking against Santos against America. Yes, that's true. So now you have a final. So now you have you have. I mean, you can't you can't pick against your team in the final. I can't. You're right. I can't. And However, I <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I know earlier in the season I picked up Toluca, or at least I I, I didn't pick them. Uh, but like you know, during the middle of the season, I, I kind of thought that they were the strongest team. Uh, 
So I, it doesn't surprise me that they're that they're in the final. But I don't. I saw some some weaknesses. They weren't as 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 scary as I thought they were. So um, you know, to echo the sentiment of like that everyone's kind of echoing is is that it's a very even, very even matchup. I think both teams are solid on each line. Um, they they both have lots of star power. Um, maybe, I guess, if we're going to pick one single player, then maybe Sambu is probably the one name that stands out the most out of everyone. But I, but I think um, Santos has not only Giannini, but a solid uh, midfield uh, that's kind of like being led by two by two champs, and I think ultimately those two guys and the the the, the depth that we have now up and forward with with all of them see, seemingly hitting hitting a solid form. I like our chances. I have, and if uh, Nesto can come back and actually play to to his normal form, or if not, um, I still I, I like I like the. I like I like our chances. I think they're going to pull it off. Well, I mean, Santos had the luxury of of of, of plugging in the guy Alcoba, who was a former Pumas player. Who was uh, when when Picolin decided that it was uh, you know that he did he didn't want to embarrass the league any longer, and and, and he hung him up. Uh, Alcoba was the partner with Veron for 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 two or three seasons. Pretty decent. Uh, uh, obviously, he's not the player he once was, but I mean, it was it was it was certainly uh, someone that they could plug in. Obviously, Nestor Rajo is is a much better player, so so Santos has been able to hang in there. So that would be. Uh, I did notice, Dan, uh, myself, and watching the the the, the Toluca Tijuana series, that Toluca does have some uh, defensive vulnerabilities that can certainly be exposed. And I think the one thing that that Santos has that I don't think Toluca does is that I think Santos knows how to close out games. And Toluca seems to have a problem with that, even at home. And I think that 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 that, that can certainly play in the Santos' favor. But I will say this: I think that because of the fact that the that there's no uh, there's no tiebreaker, it is if it's tied, it's going to extra time, and if it's tied after that, it's going to penalties. I think that this is going to go to penalties, and then you know you know take your pick. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what: if Talavera stops like two or three of them. People are going to be begging for him to be uh, to, to be brought in if Mexico has to go into penalties against somebody. Well, he's not stopping shit. Ay, ay, ay. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ay, ay, ay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bringing it. Bringing it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Sorry, the, the fanboy eked out of her. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. You're allowed. You're allowed. It's. Um... Yeah, man. I, I, I don't see. Uh, I, I've I've been listening, uh, obviously watching uh, closely the commentary of, by the different pundits from different networks, and uh, yeah, I think everybody sees it as an extremely evenly match. But uh, I think they give Toluca a little too much credit. Um, and but you know, granted, I, I think they're uh, they they get more attention maybe because of their proximity to to the capital, and 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 they've been around longer. Um, and Santos kind of operates a little bit more quietly. Uh, under the radar, but um, I just uh, every like every position is really solid, and and, and even and the, and it seems like that we have pretty good, decent backups, even even when uh, and then also not to mention the the coach. I 
I think he's impressed everybody. Uh, sadly, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me to see his name being thrown out um, after the summer, as a, if if they're able to pull it off. Because I mean, once once somebody wins a championship, they're they're, they're they immediately become uh, candidates for the national team. But uh, right. The one area that I think um, that scares me is defensively, especially if Nestor is not there, because Izquierdos is, I think he's one player that's actually in really bad form, or maybe he's getting old um, and starting to show, but uh, he's been, I think, a liability in the last, uh, during the Ligia especially. And um, I, I, I'm expecting a very high, a high scoring uh, aggregate. Really? So you think it could be like 5-4? Five four six four wouldn't surprise me at all. Now this is the third time, if I'm not mistaken, that both Toluca and Santos have met. Well, have, not both, but Toluca and Santos have met in the final. And Toluca <clears throat> has won the previous two, and uh, you know I, I would wager to say that that, that Toluca and Santos, at least in the, in the short season era in Liga MX, have been have been two of the most consistent teams in the, since the short season started because they've both been in the league. You know. I, I, since then, now Santos did have about ten years ago a little a little slip up where they were, along with Pumas, were 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 fighting real real. That was that was not fun. And uh, they've had a couple of you know like they had they got they got Chepor, so they had to deal with that. And uh, see, it's no fun to say that stuff, uh, Dan, when we don't have our uh, our, our Chepologist on the show. But. Um, but they have uh, both been uh, teams that have been incredibly consistent. I, I would even say Cruz Azul uh, w- w- would be included among that group uh, in the uh, in, in the short season era. And, and Santos, I, th- I think, has won five or six. Dan, say five or six uh, titles for, for 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 Santos in the short seasons. Uh, five. Five. And Toluca, yes. obviously, I think they've won seven. So. You know the proof. The, the proof uh, is definitely. Is it seven? Complete. I thought they. Were, I thought they were more like around eight or nine. Is it really that many? I thought it was just. I thought it was. I thought it was. Uh, but I do think it's been a while for them, though. I may be mistaken, uh, but I think they're. They may be getting. Uh, getting close to ten years, maybe since their last one. Well, I, I, think, I think the last one was that Bicentenario against Santos. In in in, in the Chapoera, they've had they've had opportunity. They they lost the final to Tijuana. Uh, a few years ago, and then they've had chances to 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 get to the final, but they lost to Tigres a couple of times. I mean, they've they've been in the league. I mean, again, and then they also lost the Conca Champions final to uh, Cruz Azul of all teams. Was, uh, but no, but again, these 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 two teams have been have been incredibly consistent. I think it's going to go to penalties, and it could be like a like a three three four four aggregate, like like Dan says. But I do think it's going to go to penalties, and uh, at that point, it's uh, as Jorge says, it's it's going to be a toss up. So. Um, I would like to see. Uh, well, honestly, I think I would probably pull for Santos because uh, I've just never really been a Toluca fan. I'm kind of like Ron in that sense. So I don't know. I, I love the. If I want to love that out loud. I love the. Uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Cardoso. Those, oh, those, when he was playing, that, that Toluca team was awesome. They were. His goal celebration was pretty badass too. His like, the, like the step that he would make, like he's a ghost or whatever it is. It was, uh, yeah, he was. He was fun to watch. They were, 
they just obliterated teams. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even. I mean, they would go down one two, even two zero, and no lead was safe. With with, with it was I was uh, I was watching the uh, Fox was doing the uh, the countdown, the greatest moments in the World Cup, and they did one where. In the 1966 World Cup, North Korea uh, actually they became the first Asian team to advance. They beat Italy, so they advanced to the to the quarterfinals. They played uh, Portugal, and they go up three zero in the first 20 minutes or something like that. And but they had Portugal had Osebio anyway, and they win five three. He scores four goals <laughs> in the game to, to to bring them back, and they end up winning the game five uh, three. So like you know, Cardoso was kind of like Osebio in that sense that he was just. He's like, he's like, he's like, I, I got, don't worry about this. We're two zero, no big deal. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna score a bunch of goals. Don't even worry about it. And, and his goal that he scored the, that, uh, that counterattack where they have like the, the, the pass, the, the passing, one of, one of the great goals in Liga Mekis history. If, uh, if you folks, uh, haven't seen it, I highly recommend you YouTube, uh, just YouTube Jose Saturnino Cardoso sort of probably the first goal that comes up and you'll know what goal we're talking about when it, when it plays it's like this. Very elaborate passing on a counterattack, and there's like four or five passes inside the 18-yard box. It's just, it's just, it's just a crazy good goal. Highly, uh, highly recommended. So, I guess uh, we'll uh, maybe we should consider having a show Sunday night, or maybe we'll just do our regular Thursday gig next week. We'll have to. We'll have to discuss that this week. But we do want to uh, wrap it up here on the Cantina Mekis podcast. I want to thank our special guest, Tom Marshall, who came on, talked to us about England, gave us a very unvarnished uh, discussion about England, which I, which I really appreciate. It expects them to uh, make it to the quarterfinals and then have their, uh, have their World Cup dreams come to an end at that point in the quarterfinals and uh, very, uh, very optimistic about Mexico's chances in the upcoming World Cup as well. Thinks that they're going to, that they're going to have a good performance in the World Cup. And on his way to Toluca, so we will certainly uh, see what he has to say about the uh, Liga Mekis uh, final uh, in Toluca. And, of course, he said he couldn't go to the Royal Wedding because he's going to be on, on, on a bus to Toluca. So he had the RSVP no when, when he got the invitation. So we do thank we do thank Tom for coming on. We thank Ahuela Seves for coming on. Chiquis, thank you for coming on. Yeah, man, no problem. Oh, and, by the way... uh Actually, in 2010, Toluca played Santos, and they went to penalties, and Toluca won. Right. In 2008, they went against Cruz Azul, but they played uh, Santos in semifinals. Right, and, and so Toluca they, won their last two championships uh, via penalty kicks. Yeah, so that was really close. And they I think... And I don't know if Dan remembers, but I'm pretty sure it was Fernando Arce who missed the uh, the clinching kick. I don't know if Dan. Um, I tend to I tend to block those things out. <laughs> I was about to ask you because <laughs> I remember sadly I remember like every stupid freaking detail of of things like that. I, I for whatever reason I can't I, I can't uh, I can't compartmentalize that stuff. But anyway. Daniel Preciado, thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure as always. I'll be a little late, but I'm glad that you're able to hop on. And thank you all for joining us. I know we had a very active chat tonight, so we do thank you all for uh, uh, talking to us on the chat. And, uh, again, you can listen to this in our previous editions of the Cantina Mekis podcast. You can download from the Podcast Center on iTunes and uh, catch us every week, uh, usually on Thursdays. We've, I know we've, for the past couple of weeks we've done Wednesday. 
because we wanted to make sure we could accommodate our guests. Next week, uh, for, we may do a uh, Sunday show. We'll definitely be on Thursday because we will have uh, our, our, our final uh, guest joining us. And it's going to be uh, Juan Arango who's going to join us and talk to us about Group H, uh, which is the group that is uh, Poland, Senegal, uh, Colombia, and Japan. So we will be talking to Juan Arango next week, talking about uh, Group H in the upcoming World Cup. And then we're going to have to look at our predictions that we guys that, that 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 we had made right after the draw and see and see where we stand and see see if if, if we want to make if we want to make any amendments to our predictions and we'll, and we'll do that uh, before the world cup as well. And uh, we will, uh, we'll figure out a way to invite y'all to uh, do some of your predictions as well. We'll try to figure out some way to do that. And we'll, uh, we'll be sure to let you guys know about that. Anyway, my name is John Jagu. We do appreciate y'all coming on and joining us uh, this evening here live on YouTube. We'll do it again next week. Thank you guys for joining us. Talk to you again next week.